Blog Talk Radio. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Thursday, 6 p.m. on the dot. That means it's time for a final weekly show here of Southern Sports Central on a Thursday night coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. We are excited to bring you three solid hours. I'm Richie Alban alongside Eugene Benton here, and a list, well, quite frankly, starts off early and impressive as we'll head up at around 6-12 to the lights of, of course, uh, Greer High School, where we'll check in with Jaleel Skinner, he's a four-star receiver. Yesterday, yesterday he was offered by Oregon. Last week, LSU, he's got South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and I can keep going because that list is long and very impressive. But this young man, by the way, is an up-and-coming junior. He's got a whole nother year and plus one before he has to make a decision on where he wants to go. So if that tells you what type of talent this young man is sporting in the upstate, boy, we're excited to get him in here around 6-12. Then it's 7 o'clock because we had our home run derby. Oh, by the way, went out great. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. We didn't get a chance to catch up with Reginald Walker Jr. from, of course, uh, the Charlotte area. He is going to be in here with us at 7 o'clock tonight for about 30 minutes. We'll talk to him about the ins and outs of not just high school, not just college, but there's some NFL talk. And guess what? Today is opening day for Major League Baseball. So we'll talk about that as well. And then at 8 o'clock, we travel all the way up to the uh, well to the Grand Strand. We'll check in with Ian Guerin. He is with MyOriCountyNews.com. He covers the PD and the Grand Strand. But he's got some thoughts and opinions, as I know all of you do, on what in the world is going on with this appeal court and this whole you know, uh, Lexington won versus the uh, high school league here in South Carolina. We're going to open up the airlines for you guys the entire show today. So even though we may have a guest list or two, the only one we ask that you don't call in between is when Jalen Skinner joins us. Other than that, from 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock, if you want to call in and weigh in your thoughts 
and we'll let the guys that are joining us weigh in as well. You can do that. The easiest way to call in is one three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. Again, the number to call in throughout tonight's show. It is open for you to call in and tell us what do you think. And I already know a lot of you guys are ready to get after the football games, and we'll talk about that here throughout tonight's show. But when it comes to Friday Night Lights, as of right now, we're sticking with the plan that was approved a week ago from the high school league. Now, that being said, even 30 minutes ago, they've decided to take it from 1 to 1.5 in the state of South Carolina. Now, here's the caveat to that. It is all decided amongst your district. So, for example, if you're down there in Beaufort and in that area, you haven't even practiced. You have zero under your belt. If you're in Dorchester County, well, you've had a couple of weeks. If you're in Berkeley, you haven't stopped since it started, along with the 12 other, I would say, um, schools that are charter schools in the state are part of that as well. So let's do this. Let's head back over to the uh, other studio down there in North Charleston because we got Eugene Cortine down there in his area. Uh, Eugene, what's up, buddy? Of course, you saw the news came out about 30 minutes ago, and it looks like the high school league fan, we can – add a point five to where we're at on the high school practice points. Yeah, I did see that. It was uh, quite interesting. But then again, you know, I'm still curious as to what the real 1.5 means. I sat through that power uh, teleconference, and I'm still not quite sure I, I understand what it means. But, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you mentioned some of the schools that, that haven't even started. I know Beaufort County and, and those. But, you know, uh, there are, you know, the charter schools are have been practicing. The schools have been practicing. You know, here in the Low Country, um, you know, there, there's a nice 3A conference, and uh, many of the conference foes are have been practicing, and that includes Hanahan uh, and Bishop England. You know, those guys have been practicing because, you know, technically they're Berkeley County. So, you know, sure. I, it really just depends on where you are. Um, you know, some some schools practice for a while, stop. You know, we heard from Sumter um, quarterback the other night that they hadn't had a single practice. So, yeah, it's, right. it's just going to be odd especially when folks are expected to play games starting on September 11th, um, you know, you might see some, some very rusty teams. You might see some you teams know, my, that, you know, my the coaches is, just feel like, wow, they've been practicing for four months. So, you know, we'll see. Right. I don't know if it's the rust that I'm worried about, Eugene, and that is another great point. But my biggest concern is, you know, and again, if we're talking about the kids, right, I mean, that's the whole thing, correct? I mean, it's not about the parents. It's not about the coaches or the administration or those 16 board members that sit up in Columbia. It's about the kids. Well, these kids normally by now have got about a month of practice under their belt, correct? They've been getting in the heat. They had to go through the process of one stage to the next stage. That's nothing new. But here's the catch. That's not happening right now. So you're telling me in about three weeks these kids are supposed to get out there in the dog days of summer in the state of South Carolina when, my God, it's hotter then Hades, right? And they're supposed to be okay? And they're supposed to start playing in September? I mean, if again, I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate to some of this because I've had about 20 coaches just today alone on the phone with me about this, which is that I watched this entire thing for three hours on Wednesday, which, by the way, Eugene, I am going to delegate my position and instruct the next time they're on, it's all you, buddy. I can't do it anymore. I've given them six hours. And I haven't learned a thing. So I'm going to ask that you use your um, paralegal side of life and enjoy that and keep us up to date on social media. That being said, I don't understand where I think if you're polling the baseball coaches, 
Yes, they do not want to play in the fall. Fine. We're done with that conversation, baseball. You're going to the spring. You're taking a chance. You're rolling the dice. No more. We're going to talk to you guys about playing in the fall because that's just not what you want. Can we move on past that? All right, so you got your wish. Granted, boom, we're done. But what coaches have you talked to, Eugene? Because I haven't heard from any coaches. And coaches, if you're out there tonight and you're a football coach, call in tonight and tell me you want to play in September, in October, in November. Because I have yet, and I mean yet, and I've spoken to over 100 coaches in the last two weeks who have not one of them said, Rich, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm ready to go. They're ready to play because that's what we do in August. That's what we do in September. But realistically, when you're looking at it, they haven't seen these kids. Look down at Beaufort County. Look down there in, in, in certain counties across the state who haven't seen their young kids at all, haven't practiced at all. Do you really think – I mean, these guys, they know it. And if you guys have been down here in South Carolina in week zero, in week one, how many times have we had to stop for water? There's this thing called the wet bulb. Never heard of it before until a few years ago. But this thing is pinging off the charts this past year. That is a concern, and that should be a concern. So, Eugene, I'm going to ask you, how many coaches, football coaches, have said, I'm ready, man. I think we should play in, in, in the fall, and that's just the way it is. What, what, are, you, what, is, what are you hearing on your side, Eugene? Um, I don't want to say names, but I have talked to several Um and several that we've had on our show. But, you know, I mean, you know, but the thing is is that a lot of folks feel like if they take that position, they're either going to get blackballed or people are going to say that they don't care about the kids. It's all about themselves. So some people do hold back, you know. I mean, and one of them said it's no different than than when it comes to politics. And because sometimes it is politics, but it's no different than, you know, when people ask who you vote for, you may or may not answer because, Certain stigmas come with, you know, if you say you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, and people just don't want to say that. So, but yeah, I've talked to a few that do want to play. They think, you know, after reading and, and, and hearing things and, you know, other doctors and, and things like that, that, you know, children just really aren't. And, and there's more studies that came out about that today, about the effective rate against children um, being exposed and catching it. Uh, but, you know, and, and that's the thing is that but you're going to get both sides of it. There's probably more that don't want to play than there are that do want to play. But um, I don't think it's a 100% thing. Um, I think, but the biggest fear is with the ones that said they do want to play is if they start playing and they shut it down, then they lose the season. So a lot of them were said that they felt more comfortable hedging their bets and saying, you know, hey, I'll listen to that proposal and, you know, I'm down with it. You know, it'll be a different experience. It won't be as blistering hot here. Uh, to play play football in, in January and February. So, you know, they weren't saying that they didn't want to do that. They were just more in favor of, you know, let's get the ball kicked off. Let's get back to, you know, give these kids some type of normalcy of, you know, when you come in, in the fall, you expect to have homecoming in the fall and things like that. So it is what it is, and people are going to disagree. That's a whole I, other I, can I of say, words, though. It's, it's, it's playing football. Playing football is one thing. Having kids in the people in the stands is a whole other conversation. I mean, you know, we are not – people need to – first of all, and, and we got to go to break because I want to get into Jaleel Skinner's time if he's going to be joining us here in just a minute because uh, – and, again, this is going to be an ongoing table conversation throughout tonight's show. So, come on in and call in. You know, again, we will let, let you have the floor for a few minutes and then we'll keep it moving. But, but again, it, it, even with the COVID – 
at, at this point, you're getting into a different debate. Now you're getting into the health. Now you're getting into the kids being physically ready to go come September, giving them a month. Well, by now, in, in the month of July, you know, we're, 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 we're getting things running. These kids have already been doing some workouts. Things have already been happening. So that's kind of the conversation throughout tonight. This was, uh, it's going to be in a conversation throughout tonight's show that we're going to have to all kind of agree to disagree at some point. So, again, we'll leave our feelings, you know, outside the studio, outside the air, and we will get in here and uh, we'll try to debate this thing as much as possible. So whether you're pro or against it, whatever it is, whatever the reason you have, let's hear it tonight. Come on in and hang out. The number to call in is one three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. Again, that's the number to call in. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to try to check in with the big man, of course, who is uh, – Really pumped about a few new opportunities that he's got. And, of course, he's going to tell us all about that as we head to the upstate. And we're going to be checking up there at Greer High School with the one and only four-star wide receiver, Mr. Jailer Skinner, as we come out of break, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist, with a little peace and some harmony, we'll take the world together, we'll take them by the hand. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richie Alvin, alongside Eugene Vint, coming to you live on a Thursday night here in Somerville, South Carolina. Southern Sports Central coming live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. And now we head over to the hotline. That's the Temp Farm hotline. Of course, you can find the Temp Farm 
at TimFarm.com, or you can find them over at 7634 South Railroad in North Charleston, South Carolina. So without further ado, we head up to the big town of, well, Greer, South Carolina, where the one and only Mr. Jaleel Skinner joins us there. What's going on, Jaleel? How's life in the upstate, buddy? Oh, man, life's been great. That's great, man. Congratulations. Yesterday you get that big offer from that school on the West Coast, Oregon. And i got to be honest, man, it, it, it was Oregon that's got everybody wanting all these different creative, wild, exotic uh, uniforms, right? I mean, I would imagine that it, it had to be something on the top of your radar when you saw that uh, come across yesterday, huh? Uh, yes, there is one thing that I did think about. Oregon's also a really great football school in itself. No doubt about it, Corsay. That was one of many offers, and uh, you are, by the way, graduating in two years. You're in the class of 2022. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So you got another year after this, and you've already loaded up on a lot of offers. It's been like the last, what, three or four months, Jaleel. You've seen a a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, information coming your way. The Gamecocks are on this board, Georgia, Florida, LSU. I believe it was last week jumped the board. Man, how are you taking all this excitement, man, or getting all this attention? How are you handling it uh, across, and uh, and how much interaction are you having with, uh, I guess, the world of Skype when it comes to getting in touch with these coaches? I mean, I appreciate I'm handling it pretty well. I'm trying to really stay humble, stay grounded to what my parents taught me growing up. I mean, I'm just really enjoying the recruiting process right now. Well, definitely enjoying it for sure. Now we're with the four-star All-American Wide receiver from the upstate up there at Greer High School. Jaleel Skinner is joining us now here on the hotline, talking to him about his big offer just yesterday from Oregon, last week LSU. And we mentioned about, I don't know, every Power 5 school in the SEC has you on their radar, man. But, yet you guys are kind of getting it together now over there at Greer. You guys are poised to have another big season coming up this year. Let's talk about the team that you're on right now. Let's talk about your quarterback, the guy that's throwing you the ball around. Tell me, when it comes down to it and, and things are kind of putting it in to play, how much are you able to work out with that quarterback? I know he works a lot up there with Ramon Robinson. Are you able to kind of work out with those guys to try to get some extra work in? Uh, yes, sir. I try to work out with them as much as possible. Now, how much do you guys, when it goes out there and, and you start to put everything into play, that combination between you and the quarterback, tell us a little bit about it, your quarterback. Tell us his name and you know, what year he is, and, and, and what is his uh, what is his outlook coming in this year? Well, my quarterback last year was Raheem Jeter, but he transferred to Spartan Bar- Spartanburg High School. And this year, my uh, quarterback is a kid, my grade, named Hollis Crosby. Me and him, we're really close. I mean, we get a lot of reps just running around, so we get timing together so when the season comes together and gets going, we can be right on pace to get what we need to do. I know working out as he's working out, your quarterback working over there with one of the best quarterback guru coaches uh, in the state of South Carolina. He may be one of the best in the Southeast for sure with Ramon Robinson. And you're able to work out probably with a few other quarterbacks because they got to have somebody to throw to, huh, Julio? How much has that helped you having that extra workout, probably catching a few balls from just a little bit of everybody when he usually has about five or six dudes swinging that ball around? Yes, sir. It's helped a lot. I mean, I'm getting balls thrown from caught from former NFL players, caught players like sometimes Kelly Bryant's here out here throwing to us great getting to experience all these different quarterbacks throwing to me and get to show me how different quarterbacks throw the ball and how I can enhance catching the ball yeah no doubt about it Kelly of course Kelly Bryant there just finished up his days in college 
We heard last week he has found his home in the NFL. He hasn't announced it yet, but it's coming up soon. Hopefully we'll hear that maybe in uh, the upcoming days as a lot of guys are signing on that line. Now, it, it is very surreal for you, young man, because I'm looking at this list, Appalachian State, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia Tech, the Rumbling Wreck, Penn State, by the way, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. I mean, it's pretty safe to say everybody in this southeastern side of the world, the SEC, the ACC, you know, reaching out to you. Who was the first school out of all these schools? And I think I might have counted up to about 18, maybe a little more than 18 right now, the Power Five schools that are looking at you. Who was the first school to reach out to offer you an opportunity to play after high school? Uh, University of South Carolina, they offered me two weeks after a state championship game my freshman year. Wow. Now, that's got to be a big thing, is because we're in the street. You're, you're kind of growing up now. And, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but I, I, I'm hearing that you're growing up being a kind of a Gamecock fan. And how much does that play a factor? And then how much does it play a factor that that was the first one that invited you to dance with them as far as it goes in recruiting at this age? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, it plays a lot. So we, I mean, like, a lot of my family Gamecock fans, like my dad and my sister, they're real big Gamecock fans. I mean, it's great that I, that they offered me. I mean, I really love the program and love what they got going down there. We're live right now with a four-star receiver. This young man is doing some great things in the upstate. He's part of, of course, uh, a very, a very impressive group of guys up there at Greer High School. Jaleel Skinner joining us here with uh, an offer just yesterday from Oregon. Last week at LSU, the Gamecocks were the first to offer him his freshman year. And, again, the offers continue to roll in for a man who's going to graduate in the class of 2022. That's right. He's got another year after this year. And uh, these guys, young, poised to uh, take a run for the state title here. Now, what for those outside of South Carolina or maybe those not familiar with uh, Greer High School, uh, what level are you guys at when it comes down to your class ranking? Uh, we're a 4A school. Who would be in the top of the 4A area? Who is the rival to, to Greer High School? Who And, and then kind of give us a breakdown of the teams in your region that you guys are going to be playing against this year. Well, what, if you're counting all teams we play, I would say our rival is Burns, but in 4A, our rival is Greenville. Mm. School that's a very familiar place. Uh, Marcus Lattimore played there. A handful of other big dudes came out of there as well. Uh, and, and that's got to be pretty fun, playing a team like, you know, Burns High School. You guys go in there and uh, able to get after it there. Very close in proximity, though, correct? Is that kind of what makes this such a, a big rival game? Yes, sir. I mean, we play Burns. The whole town of Greer and everywhere close to Burns, everybody's at that game. That's going to be a sold-out game. If you don't get to that game early, then you're probably not going to get in. I tell you what, nothing like Friday night lights, whether you're in the upstate, the lower state, anywhere in between. Now, having that conversation, uh, we're all keeping an eye on what we're going to do, hopefully, in the next few months uh, in the state of South Carolina. Now, Jaleel, when when it comes down to it, they are looking at possibly just a region-only schedule, which may be a few extra games on top of it. Your thoughts getting into this year, and I talked to you off the phone because I want, or off the air because I wanted you to have at least an idea what's going to kind of happen here tonight on the radio. But when you look at this season, this is going to be a very different season, whether we play here coming up in September or we play in January. Now, what are you guys saying? I know you guys are keeping up together as far as the players are concerned, but are you looking forward to hopefully getting out here in the next couple of weeks? And how much is the rest of your teammates, you guys working out? individually to stay in shape so that that way if 
the September date is the kickoff date that you guys are ready to roll. You know, with my guys at Greer, we try to at least work out as a group, go run through plays or just to get out there and run some days. We try to at least two or three times a week. So when the time comes for us to get back on the field, we're going to get on the field and be running, ready to go. I love it, man. As you can tell, these guys, again, you can sit around and wait or you can get out and get it done. Again, if you stay in shape, you don't have to get in shape. And you guys up there in the update uh, kind of getting after it. I'm going to bring Eugene in. Of course, he's the guy on the other side. Uh, pushing some buttons. Eugene, I know you had a few questions you wanted to ask him. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, um, good afternoon, Khalil. Uh, this is Eugene. Uh, you know, looking at your recruiting list and those who offered, I know South Carolina offered, and then, uh, you know, early on, as you said, coming out of your freshman year after the state championship, the recent offer was Oregon. You know, if you could, uh, I, I don't know which schools you've gotten to see in person, um, but if there's something about, you know, certain schools that stick out to you, uh, give us a little bit of insight as to, uh, you know, what you like about those schools or that school. I mean, I saw you got pretty excited about one of one of the schools that I like, and that's LSU, uh, when that offer came in. But, um, you know, I get they're the, the defending national champs. But, you know, what is it about each school that, that's offering you that uh, you, you could see yourself playing there or something that you want to see? I mean, with some of these bigger schools off me, I mean, I really, growing up as a kid, I would always tell my mom, I want to go play big D1 football. And she would say, you can do anything you put your mind to finally paying off. And uh, with some of these bigger schools, I mean, I can visualize myself playing out there. I mean, I love – plus, I want to get out there and play at the bigger schools. I love the competition. I love being able to go out and compete every day. I mean, everything about these schools. And I, I visualize myself going to these schools, like what I'm going to do to get there, how hard I'm going to have to train to be the best. And so what is it, like I said, you know, I was listening to some of these things. Um, you know, I get it. It's a big school. You know, like some of the schools, you got Pac-12, you got ACC, you got SEC schools. Um, so let's just take, for example, uh, Florida uh, or, or, or LSU or even South Carolina. Um, what is it about the school, you know, these schools that, you know, you just, wow, man, I really, I really am impressed with that offer because I like something about it. You know, what are some of the things that, that so far that you've liked about these schools? And, and again, I ask, uh, um, have you had a chance to visit any of them? Uh, I have. I've visited. Oh, I really haven't got to get out and visit like I was planning on this summer, but I visited South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Florida, and um, uh, who else did I visit? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I visited Clemson. So I didn't hear on uh, all the list of schools. Has Clemson offered you? Uh, no, sir. They have not. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, what do you look? Do you have any idea what you're looking to study at the next level? Uh, yes, I, I'm a point of studying sports medicine when I get to college. I mean, if I can't make it pro, I want to still be involved in sports somewhere. No doubt. And I know all of those schools, I believe, you listed are really good programs. I'd say probably Oregon probably steals the show with that. And, you know, if you ever take that official visit, I'm sure they're going to show you. Everything, all the bells and whistles, you know, it's a, it's a lot to see. But, um, you know, uh, so if you're on track to graduate, uh, I, I know you're, you're a rising junior. Um, is, are you taught, thinking about doing something like uh, possibly graduate early? Or are you, have you sat down with counselors and started looking at classes and schedules to see if that might be an option for you? Oh, yes, I intend on graduating early in, uh, in January of 2022. 
Well, that's awesome, man. I'm going to turn you back over to Richie. I just want to wish you uh, the best of luck and, and health this season. You know, uh, and you guys don't have to play Wren because Wren moved down to 3A. But, uh, you know, that was I was looking forward to that matchup, man. That was going to be a high-scoring game. But, um, you know, I'll just turn you back over to Richie again. You know, best of luck. Stay healthy, and we'll be following you. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys, so we're live right now, of course, with a four-star receiver with so many offers. I tell you what, as a class of 2022, he is definitely uh, taking the icing on the cake when it comes to the attention he's getting around the great state of South Carolina and around the region of the southeast, but all the way yesterday up from the western side. And of course, that's going to be Oregon, where they sent Mr. Jalil Skinner, a four-star receiver, an offer, an opportunity to go on and be an Oregon Duck. And, again, uh, I can tell you with my young son, who is a senior upcoming, uh, he is a big Oregon fan. Don't know why, other than the fact that those colors, they stand out. Nike, of course, having that connection there. There's so many things. And as Eugene just mentioned, for your major, man, it's right on the uh, – got to be on top of the radar. You know, and uh, final thing before we get you out of here, first of all, I want to thank your mom and dad for allowing you to come in, your family, to letting us hang out with you tonight up there in Greer and be a part of our show. And, Again, for you continuing to do what you do, and you're doing it the right way. You already know your major. You're coming in as a junior. I think that's a huge deal. When it comes down to it, when, and things start to happen, uh, Jaleel, when are you hoping to start kind of getting this process to kind of get out to these schools? And who's in the top five right now that you want to go see? If you could only go visit five schools, who would be the first five that you're going to get to once these doors open and we're able to get out and about and, and see some opportunity for you? Uh, these first five schools I really want to visit are uh, Florida State, Oregon, LSU, uh, Arkansas, and Penn State. Arkansas and Penn State. I like that. Now, the guy we got coming up next, by the way, played at Penn State. Uh, he comes in every Tuesday. And, of course, I'll let him know that you're heading that way. But uh, we wish you the best of luck, Jaleel. You've already agreed to kind of help us out. Keep us up to date what's going on in Greer, South Carolina, whatever there, Greer High School, to kind of keep us up and – in the loop over there with uh, your football team this year. We can't wait, whether it's in the spring or whether it's in the fall, whatever it is, we're going to be hanging out with you guys right there. And, again, thank you so much for hanging out tonight. Congratulations on all this early success, all this hard work paying off early. And Keep doing what you're doing, big guy, because it's paying off, and we're real proud of you over here at Southern Sports Central, buddy. Have a great night. Thanks for hanging out. All right, guys, there you go. And uh, like that, we get a chance to talk to a young man who continues to get the recognition. Again, you put in the hard work today. Who knows what tomorrow brings you. For this young man, it's bringing him a ton of opportunities. And uh, it's got to be a pretty sweet thing to be in the shoes that this young man is in because he is going to be able to pick whichever way he wants to go. He's going to have pretty much an an, an open opportunity. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll recap this interview. We'll talk a little bit more about what's going on. And if you'd like to join us tonight, we want to hear from you. Maybe you've Got something out of yesterday in the course of the high school league with the, uh, uh, I would say Lexington won one-on-one as these guys were going back and forth with some conversation. But we do want to hear from you tonight. We've kind of moved guests around so that you have a chance to call in. Here's the number to call in, 1-323-784-9681. Again, it's 1-323-784-9681. Eight one. Quick break. Come back. We'll take your calls. We'll hang out and we'll uh, get through some of this craziness, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio.
here it is, the groove slightly transformed Just a bit of a break from the norm Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause this is summertime Summertime. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rachel. I'm alongside Eugene Benton coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, here, of course, in the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. want to thank uh, the group and guys over there, of course, at uh, Greer High School for allowing us to talk to Jalil Skinner, a four-star wide receiver. This young man has got multiple offers all across the state, all across the country. I mean, when you get an offer, and, I, and again, I think it's a big deal to get an offer from any college. It doesn't matter whether you're Power Five or, or sitting in any other 
facility there. If you've got a program, you're doing something right because there's a lot of programs that have had to shut down because the things aren't going the way they want it to go. But I'm going to tell you, when you got Oregon, when you got LSU, when you got, of course, the likes of Florida State, South Carolina, I'm kind of curious. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But all these offers, Eugene, that you see are very, very impressive. Tennessee's on the board. No surprise, Virginia Tech's on the board. I think it's pretty safe to say almost all the teams in the ACC and the SEC definitely want to put this dude on their campus. When you're six foot five, two 205 pounds, jump 36 inches, and run a four-five-three forty, everybody's going to find a, a position for you or a spot for you on the roster. I mean, you. I don't. I, I'm assuming he's a great receiver. I haven't, you know, checked out any film or or that. But you know, I mean, every coach will tell you, give me a guy with those measurables, and and I can coach him up. So definitely, I mean, it, like you said, from West Coast to the Deep South, uh, on up the board, man. I mean, you know, it, I, there's also an offer for Michigan. I'm not sure if you saw that one. So you know, there's pretty much anywhere he wants to go, um, he'll be he'll be set. <laughs> a heck of an opportunity yeah. to have that, and especially going into his junior year, you know, that he already has all these offers in his pocket. So that's amazing. And you wonder with this pandemic, because you're seeing this become a deal right now. Over the summertime, an unprecedented amount of athletes committed early throughout the summer, because here's why. Because I'm pretty sure somebody said, look, if you don't jump up on this offer right now, they might not be here because somebody else may jump on it. Now, in the past, that may have been a strategy for colleges to try to go after, but they knew, hey, look, that's not really the deal. However, this year, and it started in March where guys were starting to commit. I don't think J.J. Jones up in Myrtle Beach was going to commit to North Carolina as quick as he did, but I think that happened. I think the young man Cameron up there in Olympic High School in Charlotte, I'm not sure he would have committed to Navy had this pandemic go on. So you wonder how much – Again, and it's only a verbal commitment. There's no autographs done yet, so it's not an official deal. Things can still move. You saw Clemson. They had Hancock out of the state of Georgia. He decommitted and just committed, I believe, on Monday, if not Sunday, to the Ohio State Buckeyes. So, again, it is what it is, but at least you're getting traction in that direction. And, again, like you mentioned, Eugene, for this young man, who, by the way, I saw the basketball film of this kid yesterday, jumping out of a gym is an understatement. But you can see his measurements there. Of course, we were talking to the four-star wide receiver from Greer High School, Jalen Skinner. Now, here's kind of a did you know, a fun fact. His cousin is Kenny Solomon, who is also starting as a sophomore. He started as a freshman on the defensive backside for the University of Tennessee. So I would say the genes are pretty good uh, on that side of the world. And, again, not surprising uh, he's got the work ethics because his cousin, who's starting as a true freshman last year, this young man is probably going to continue to do great things. And I'm not going to be surprised if you see Tennessee putting a huge push on him because we've heard from these athletes in our state, in South Carolina, what they love about Tennessee, right? They love the fact that the coaches understand them, they relate to them. I mean, he could go to a whole different route. He may head to a smaller school, wants to make an impression, wants to make a big deal. I mean, you're, you're seeing it all across the country where kids right now are, are, are doing things and you're being a little bit more methodical than maybe in the past, Eugene. And, you know, one thing I have the question is, what's up with Clemson? I mean, you know, he's right there right. on the street, man, at six foot five, 205 pounds with all these measurables. Uh, and I asked him about that, and he said, no, Clemson has not offered. What's up with that? I mean, 
I, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, thankfully, South Carolina jumped in and offered him early, you know, because like you said, you get all these talented kids that sit around with barely any in-state offers. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just curious as to what is what is it um, that uh, is holding them back from that Clemson offer? My thing is, what is it about South Carolina? Clemson fans, uh, you know, I ask them this all the time. What is it about the state of South Carolina you just don't want to recruit? You don't recruit the state you live in. You go to California and, and Alabama and Texas and Florida and Georgia. But we got dudes right here. We got a dude right here. Literally, like you mentioned, he's right around the corner from from the steakhouse or whatever it is, the food place up there in Greenville. Man, you don't even have to go far. Heck, he might be able to run across the campus type of thing. Why doesn't he have yeah, no doubt. Why isn't he yeah. first on your offer list? I, that, that's what I get. And, and, and Eugene – you take South Carolina normally is in this conversation. Coastal Carolina, you're usually in this conversation. But luckily, and I do know Coastal's offered him as well. I know Georgia State's offered him as well. Uh, so I want to give love to the guys that did offer him in our state. I think everybody but Clemson has offered him. Why would you not go get this kid and put him on your campus? He's got an automatic draw from the community that you live in. You know, this is the community, by the way, that supports you right now because there are no football games. There are no sporting games. So, so you're starting to kind of put things in order, and it just – it, it, it baffles me that I, I get Clemson's good, and I and, and I have a lot of respect for Dabo. I think he's 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 a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a heck of a dude. But why are we not recruiting in the state of South Carolina? Are you telling me that you're good? We're good enough to play. You're good enough to play in front of us, but we don't have any dudes that you would let play with you. You know, it's kind of a weird conversation that I would love to have an answer to. Yeah, I agree. But you look at the rosters, though, man, like you mentioned, Florida and, and other places, you know, these schools will go down there and sign these three-star running backs and stuff like that, and sometimes two- and three-star offensive linemen. But, you know, you got kids like last year who were just crushing it in the state at running backs. So there was a kid up in Camden and uh, and Sumter, and it's kind of like, you know, where's their offer? Where's their offer? Now, we don't know all the background. There might be grade issues or something like that. We don't know that for sure, or test scores or whatever. But at least there's right. something out there that says, you know, hey, you know, we, we'd like to offer the kid, you know, we're just working with the coach and, uh, you know, we get some things in order. You know, the kid does does what he needs to do. We've given him a plan. And that plan is if you need to, if you do what you got to do, you know, we'll welcome you in, we'll lovingly open the door and welcome you in and roll the red carpet out. I just, you know, when Springer did so well, he kept the talent in state. And Spurrier actually was beating – there was that one year, 2008 or nine, where he took eight out mm-hmm. of the top ten kids in the state of South Carolina. And that team yeah. goes – those kids go on to play for an SEC championship, first time in school history. It just doesn't happen now. And I get it. Clemson, you know, put out that they took the number one kid from Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Ohio all in the same year. That's awesome if you can recruit nationwide. But there are, there are a bunch of dudes, a bunch of dogs, in the words of uh, Coach Bennett, right here in the state. And, you know, like sure. I said, get them on the roster, man, because they bleed for the state. They're going to give you all right. they got and then some. And then mama, daddy, grandmama, you know, everybody can come see them play. They're playing for those people in the stands that they love, not for, you know, some other reasons, you know, like trying to get to the NFL and, and it's just a stepping stone because it just means more. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. I mean, it does mean more. The one thing, and you mentioned Steve Spurrier, and when he came to South Carolina, he had to adjust because when he first got here, 
he didn't really blow up that Clemson game. Remember, he went through and tore everything down and realized, whoa, 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 we can't do that. That's, that's, that's not going to happen. And regrouped. And it, and it worked out because he is one of the only coaches that dominated, suffocated, and, and just handled Clemson their business year after year after year, right? I mean, he's the one guy who, who can honestly come out of there and say, yep, I, I did my part. There's an entire senior class at South Carolina. Who, by the way, all those dudes were South Carolina guys. And, and the reason that us and the South Carolina High School Blitz partnered together because we were standing together at the high school game in williams Bryce Stadium in December, right? Me and Ken Brown are standing there. We're, we're having conversations. We're talking about what can we do in the low country and on the Grand Strand and on this side of, uh, I'd say, Orangeburg and to the coast to help those guys in the upstate or Columbia to the coast, if you will. And we figured it out. We can work together. We can get this thing together. So we started building this vision of one umbrella with two, I feel, really good, really good platforms. And here we go. Two weeks later, somebody from 24-7 Sports makes a comment on a national radio show that, hey, listen, if you're, you're looking for talent, don't worry about South Carolina because in the class of 2021, it's not there. Let me tell you what. You wanted to spark a flame in the state of South Carolina Job well done, because now you got two good companies coming together to have one vision going in the same direction. And that's where you're going to hear some good news coming up, by the way, in the next few weeks that we're going to hopefully be able to put out there and announce for you high schoolers, uh, the class of 21 and class of 22. But uh, we'll save that a little bit later. But there are so many great athletes across the state of South Carolina, and we're seeing these guys day in and day out. And they're not just in 5A. They're not just in 4, 3, 2. They're also down in 1A football, and they're playing their hearts out. And for me to see Coastal have such a strong presence on their campus of football players that are not even from the state of South Carolina, it, it kind of bothers me in multiple ways. You see Clemson, for example, when Ken and I were standing on the sideline during that Myrtle Beach Wren game, and we noticed how many coaches from Tennessee to Georgia State, to there were so many different coaches from different states and Power 5 schools rumbling up and down these, these sidelines, and we're thinking, man, they are literally coming in here taking our kids and taking them to their schools. And I don't blame them. But to me, why aren't we getting these kids? If they're good enough to go to Florida, you don't think they're not good enough to go to your school? You don't think that kid at Sumter, South Carolina, which congratulations to going to Florida. That's, that's, that's a big deal. But don't you think that's the kid on the defensive end that the Gamecocks could have used or Clemson could have used? I mean, to me, that, that's where – I get we're a national show on certain levels when it comes to the college thing because I don't want it to become a Gamecock Clemson Tiger show. There's enough of those around the state, and, and, and I want to level on all the colleges because I think it's important, Eugene. But because we live here, because we do personally have a connection to the University of South Carolina, don't you think that the Gamecocks at least could have used that big old kid on the coming around the end? Yeah, no doubt, man. And, you know, he's another kid that is right. He's literally right down, what is that, 378? One of those. Three seventy-eight. I forgot. Yeah, just going into Sumter from from Columbia, literally straight down the road, and it's just you know, and the big quarterback over there at Sumter now, he might not be a quarterback for you at the next level, but I'm sure as heck he can play ball somewhere. The running back they had last year, and the dude in Camden, I'm sure as heck they might can help you out on special teams. They can help you out. Look somewhere. at Amari, the kid from Dillon. The kid from Dillon has got. He's going to Louisville. I mean, yeah. those if you dudes are going and playing Power 5 football, Eugene, can't they play in South Carolina if they're playing at Louisville, if they're going to Navy, 
if they're going to these other schools, Brandon Johnson, Emmanuel Johnson, by the way, I called them the Legion of Doom. They were, they were some bad boys on the defense for the fort. They were causing hell and havoc and all kind of shade when it came down to getting that defense across that line. Now, they might have not get it. Yeah, they struggled there against Dutch Ford, but that was the same things happen. But my point is that Emmanuel Johnson looked like a grown man at the age of six. Brandon Johnson right there beside him. So for these two dudes to leave the state, and we just nailed down an entire state of South Carolina that we're allowing these guys the opportunity to leave our state. And, and South Carolina, by the way, did they make a bowl game last year? They did not. And at this rate, we worry health-wise that hopefully they can stay healthy. That was a big deal, but still, you cannot continue to let the doors open in your, in your state and let the best of the best leave. And you, mail, you nailed it, Eugene. Furrier stayed home live and local, and beat Clemson and everybody else with the kids from his own state. That speaks volumes. And if you look at it per capita in the past, I don't know what it is lately, Eugene, but per capita for the amount of kids and cats we got in this state, the state of South Carolina puts just as many dudes in the NFL as anybody else. That's cold year in the top ten. Yeah. South Carolina right. still in the top ten with NFL players. The other thing is, you know, people will say, well, Spurrier got lucky because he had two or three years there with, you know, some, some high-end recruiting classes. Well, you have that. You don't get them all in one year. So you get the best right. dudes this year. You get the best dudes next year. You get the best dudes in year three. Now, those first dudes you recruit are now juniors. The other guys are sophomores. And you got some elite guys that can come in and spell a little bit, you know, as freshmen. But, you know, that's where your roster is. You've got three years of players there, you know, that you – let's say you get seven out of the top ten in the state. That's 21 dudes. That's almost two sets of starters. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's how you build it. And then, of course, you know, you go outside the state. Maybe there's a record back or a specific receiver or a linebacker you like in another state, offense, defense. Sure. But I just think there are so many talented kids at home – that are willing to just bleed for you and leave it all in the field because they're playing for the state they grew up in. And it's just, you know, like you said, the dude going to Louisville. I mean, heck, dude, Clemson in South Carolina, I get it, ACC, SEC. What was it, two years ago? And it was almost like two years in a row. Coastal didn't sign a single dude from South Carolina, but they had all these folks from Florida. I mean, it, the value of the scholarship sure is a lot cheaper to, to give it to an in-state kid as opposed to paying out-of-state tuition. I would imagine that you don't get special rates for, for football players, and it's either in-state or out-of-state. So I, I just I, – right. man, it really does. Now, go back to Coastal. They went from having a portal to basically having to get a Sunway bus in the amount of kids that jumped into that transfer portal this past season. There's a loyalty. I, I, I don't even know going in that route. But I'm going to say this. There's way too many dudes we got right here in the low country, for all means sake. Just in the low country where we're located, they shouldn't have left this state. Right? I mean, there are guys all over the board. But we're seeing them leave our state, leave our programs. And, and again, congratulations to the Louisville's, to, to the Tennessee's, to – the, uh, anybody that's able to come in this state or any state and take the kids and say, look, it's better over here than where you are. And, and, and to me, you know, when you start to see that, you know, that to me is, is there's some issues. 
It's one thing, at least Clemson's winning. I, I give them that. But you just hate to see a kid, a four-star wide receiver that's built like a brick house, who's a wide receiver, who, by God, can run routes like I've never seen. And I watched a lot of his film last night and getting in here today with Jaleel Skinner. There's no reason that this young man doesn't have an offer from Clemson. I've got, they got South Carolina did. And by the way, the Gamecocks were number one. That could play. Eugene, that could play a big deal. I'm just letting you know on the inside track there, buddy. Yeah, he did. And he said that meant a lot to him. It was right after his freshman year. You know, he had mentioned that he had some Gamecocks in the family and some, you know, some, some family members that are close to him. They're huge fans. And, you know, it's not a long drive. You know, hop on 26. Uh, and that's the other thing, like, you know, you touched on. We can't – I can't sit here and say that, that kids from out of state are disloyal because certainly that's not an – not always the case, but you know, if you're 17, 18, and getting on the road, and uh, it's not so much the first season, you know, that fall, it's that spring when there is no football, you know, and and I get it, there's spring practice, you know, that's when that homesickness kicks in. If you're a kid from the state, especially in Columbia, and I get it, you know, Clemson's up in the corner state. If you're in Columbia, pretty much everywhere in the state, you could go home in about two and a half hours. So I think that mm-hmm. I mean. It just you know if they if they were to draw a circle and a radius around around the campus, man, you you would encompass the whole state, and that's why you know I've always thought they need to stay in state, win those battles, definitely hit Charlotte because uh, that's you know it seems like you can't tell which part of South Carolina and North Carolina anymore, but uh, you know and, and just go there, but you, know, you see the offer list and it's like eighty percent Georgia. I just, it's just like I said, it continues to baffle me. But, you know, thankfully, you know, those guys uh, jumped on this young man early. And like you said, it meant a lot to them um, having that and the fact that they did. So, you know, we'll see how it goes and follows recruiting um, once he gets to take those visits. Like you said, he wanted to go visit some this summer, but that shut down. I know the feeling because we were going to go visit some schools too, and it's been shut down. It's been a little bit frustrating on our plans, but in God's time it'll all work out. But, uh, you know, same, same for him. At least he has those in his pocket, and he could uh, start to do whatever he can to get what information he can. As soon as they open up the doors, I'm sure he'll be uh, on the road taking those visits. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You start to kind of look at some of these things, and, and you put all this into order right now. And uh, recruiting is, is it's different, right? It is different. COVID-19 has made things a lot more virtual, a lot more different interaction these young men. Now, Eugene, of course, you know, uh, you, you start to kind of look at this kid. Now, his his doors are going to start opening a little bit more, like you and I were kind of going back and forth. Of course, he can't talk to coaches because he was a sophomore coming up junior. Now, as he's a junior, things change a little bit, right? The doors open a little bit. The opportunities become a little bit more there. You can receive all the mail you want in the world. That's that's fine. You know, I remember the first piece of mail I got back in eighth grade playing baseball. I was like, oh, my God, Central Michigan. First thing I said, well, Hell no. <laughs> it's cold. I'm not going up there to play baseball. They got a cool hat, but that wasn't my thing. Uh, of course, uh, you know, we look at recruiting now. And we are, by the way, we are going to check in with our 630 guest on Tuesday. He's actually checking in here tonight with us, is Reginald Walker, Jr. You mentioned, uh, you know, this guy played for Joe Pye. He was part of a massive recruiting. I think he grew up in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll let him clarify that at 7. But how did recruiting go then? And what's his thoughts of it now? Because he does cover a lot of stuff in Charlotte. He's uh, radio and TV, of course, uh, with the uh, UNC Charlotte team. 
up there on the football side of life and Gardner Webb as well. So he's got multiple avenues and, and things. Of course, uh, high school Friday nights is going to be something we're going to talk to him about as well. But when you kind of look at recruiting, Eugene, first of all, these kids, they got to have all their stuff together. They got to have their, 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 I'd say their huddle up to date. And, and we've had multiple coaches from the high school level to maybe a, a, a scout, if you will, to all the way to high school. And the first thing they're going to continue to tell you guys, do not, do not bog down your huddle. You need to have four, five at most plays. And it's not a book. You don't need your best at the end. You need your best at the beginning, and it needs to go down from there. When it comes to your name on Twitter, I had this conversation with a kid yesterday on John's Island, young man trying to get, get looked at. He told me a screen name, and I got lost in between the front part and the back part. I was like, all right, cool. We got to change it. It's got to keep it simple. Keep it simple. And that is first name, last name. If somebody else has that, then add a number in it, preferably the number that you wear on Friday night or whatever day that you play your game. We have got to educate. And that's one thing at Southern Sports Central that we try to do here. We try to keep you guys in check so that when this happens, when you're called, when that opportunity is prevailed, you have a chance to do a little something. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will join up in Charlotte, North Carolina, with the one and only Kendall Walker Jr., former player for Joe Pye, and, of course, uh, the Nittany Lions, as he'll always sign off with, we are. But until then, we're Southern Sports Central. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Of course, you can find us on the web over there on the Internet at SO Sports Central on Twitter and Southern Sports Central on Facebook. Guys, don't go anywhere.
here. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman. Now it is time, of course, for hour number two of Southern Sports Central, coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. Of course, you can find the studio here in Somerville, but the actual training studio is over there at 5913 Loftus Road in Hanahan, South Carolina. Reach out to them by 843-573-7391. I believe we're still waiting on uh, the big man to join us. Of course, uh, hopefully Reginald Walker. Junior will be checking in from Charlotte here in just a few. But if you missed this on Tuesday because you knew we were hosting the first annual Home Run Derby Southern Sports Central South over there at the Shipyard Park, you missed a great show in person. You missed a great broadcast here on the air. We had uh, the real McCoy, Coach McCoy, checked in with us. He came over from James Island to show some love to one of their ball players that was out there doing their thing. Coach Call checked in. He hung out. He got on the radio with us. He, of course, uh, well, he got the, the treat of the night because not one but two of the finalists were from Oceanside. Of course, uh, Grace Sobel knocks out one of the big boys from uh, Berkeley, Jed Hudson. Nobody saw it coming because Jed had just not like, I don't know, a billion of them out of the park in round one. I think he had 16 uh, in a round one. But, uh, boy, the steam started to slow down a little bit. Next thing you know, here comes uh, Grace Sobel with that homemade – Oceanside Academy wife beater that he had made up before he got there. Him and his brother were uh, were getting it there because the brother was throwing BP to him. And then on the other side, he was going against Darren Kraft. This man is a beast. He's going to be playing baseball at Erskine. He played over there, of course, at Oceanside. But this guy hit it, I mean, a mile high. He was hitting everything out of the park. I can tell you it was uh, quite an, uh, an exhibition an opportunity to have not just these three guys we talked about, but I think we had a total of 11 guys, seven schools represented, and we're going to continue to um, – you can continue. Eugene's giving me mess because I said, why well, is this a sports show, guys? You already know what I'm talking about. So so we'll get into that in a little bit, Eugene. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So that being said, I am going to bring in um, – I'm going to bring in Reggie. Reggie. Uh, I don't know if you, you got a chance to, to hear the broadcast on on, on Thursday, Tuesday night. Yeah, you just got me befuddled now. So uh, on Tuesday night, uh, we had a great turnout of guys and girls supporting 11 guys and seven schools and one champion. It was quite the entertainment there, buddy. Well, I'll tell you, I, I did I, – I caught a little bit very briefly uh, the, work, the work schedule, a little hectic this week kind of all over the place, but I'm on top of things, and I'm ready to jump on with you guys and talk a little ball tonight. Let's do that. Now, let me ask you first of all, I mentioned white feeder. Okay, so so one of the gentlemen shows up, and again, he's going to the Citadel, by the way, and, and definitely Grace Sobel uh, was one of the underdogs that came in there, not because of any other reason that there were some pretty big Mark McGuire-looking dudes out there just bringing, bringing some swings and, and doing all that. Now, he comes out with his brother throw it to him, Reginald, and they had both had on white beaters, and you know what I'm talking about, right? And so they yep. had written with Magic Marker, an O, S, and an A for Oceanside Academy. Eugene texts me and says, you can't say white beaters. <laughs> I said, dude, this is a sports show. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I didn't say a blouse. I mean, your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I, I think a lot of people will know what you're talking about. I, I think it's also, you know, one of those things to where the time that we're in right now. Um, I think we've all 
um, probably spent more time uh, editing ourselves in the last probably three to six months than maybe we ever have. Um, and I think sometimes we, we find ourselves trying to figure out what's safe, what's sort of the jargon, if you will, and what's out of bounds. Um, I think uh, if, if a lot of people had an issue with that, trust me, in this day and age, you would have gotten a lot of feedback immediately um, on the use of the term wife beater in, in that regard. Uh, clearly you didn't, at least to this point. So I think you're okay. I think we actually well, I got knocked off there for a minute. I'm back now. For some reason, somehow I got knocked off there, guys. But uh, yeah, again, I didn't hear anything that you said there, big guy. But, uh, but we'll get into that later. I thought you got mad at me for a second. No, I didn't, I didn't know what you I said th- to me. I, I thought was, I got hung I up on. I was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love live radio, brother. We adjusted well. He got his feelings hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if you ask the right people, they'll tell you I don't have any feelings, man. That's that's a, that's preposterous. So that being said, I'm, I'm just going to take it that I'm just going to have to say he had an undershirt on, and that's what he had on. You so, call, so, I think they call him an A-shirt I, these days. I think they call him A-shirt. A-shirt. <laughs> I don't really know <laughs> what that really means, Man, but uh, yeah, I don't, we're gonna go with that. It's all we just made this an uncomfortable broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, just like that. No, I'm just kidding. All right, here's the deal. It was a great show. It was a great opportunity. We did a lot of great things. Eugene, you did a five star job putting a lot together. He was a nervous Nancy up until the final pitch of the final out and the final part of it. And at the end of the day, everybody walked out of there with smiles. Two guys walked out of there with trophies. One had. The, well, Mr. J, he also, the guy with the shirt on, he had the world's smallest trophy, which was second place. The other guy had a pretty good-sized trophy, so good stuff. Let's talk to football, man. Let's get into it, man. So, we know that baseball, by the way, did start today. Major League Baseball is uncomfortable it is to hear them kind of bring in the sound and the fans, but yet there are no fans. That's still kind of different for me. But your th- your take on Major Leagues now joining the conversation, here we go. Another professional sport is underway, and we're getting the world of sports back rolling again. I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I really do, because if you think about it, look where Major League Baseball was two and a half, three weeks ago. When they first got back into camps, guys were concerned about the safety and the protocols and how it's going to be laid out and how it's going to be done. And I tell you, I talked to an NFL assistant coach a couple of weeks ago, and well, not even, maybe eight days ago. And one of the things that we talked about was I said, so, you know, the NFL, they haven't really announced the protocol. You know, what are your thoughts on that? He said, you got to remember, every week the information changes. So, yeah, most people are thinking they should be figuring this out well before training camp. He goes, but three weeks ago the information was completely different than it is right now than what it's going to be two weeks from now when we have to go into camp. So you look at what Major League Baseball did and how it seemed like they were so far behind the eight ball, that gives you an opportunity to kind of put it in perspective, and it tells you, you're right, you almost have to wait to the moment. And I'm not suggesting this is the right way or the wrong way, but I'm understanding their process. You have to wait later in the process, closer to the moment, to make a decision because the information is changing so rapidly every day. So when you look at it from that standpoint and you look at where Major League Baseball was two and a half, three weeks ago to where Major League Baseball is today, 
having the games played and players at least seemingly feeling comfortable with the protocols in place, you got to pat that league on the back. I agree with you. I think and having this thing to go, by the way, I'm a, a huge Los Angeles Dodger for multiple reasons. They play the Giants. That's why we don't get along, like go Giants. Oh, man, who knew that I didn't like you? I know now why. There you go. But tonight is, is – is, oh, man. But it's a shorter season. But do they not realize that they possibly are, are trying to – they may have set themselves up for something that may be the future of not having a season that lasts from February to November now that they'll see, like college football, like the NFL, people like it more because they got less of it? Well, that, that's, the, that's the old adage, right? Make them want more. 162 right. games, you're playing every day uh, for, for the better part of six months. That's a lot of games. If all of a sudden you say, you know what, and, and just think about some of these setups. I know one year, and I don't know if it's always the exact same, but one year the Yankees and Red Sox played each other 19 times. I don't need 19 times to figure out who the better baseball team is. So if you start doing the math, right, all of a sudden the divisional opponents like that, instead of 19, they just play 15 times. Now you're already back around 145 games. Then you look at some of the other situations. Do I need to see the San Francisco Giants ever play the Tampa Bay Rays? Probably not. So you can kind of look at, you know, maybe baseball says, you know what, we're going to play our division. We're going to play the same division in the other league, and we're going to play a natural rival and then we're going to obviously play the rest of our league and cut this schedule down a little bit. All of a sudden, if that season's, I don't know, 135 games, 130 games, now all of a sudden, first of all, you're not playing the World Series in the snow in New York, getting snowed out in the World Series. That's the first step. Right. And then the second piece of it, you get more off days worked in there. So now we're seeing the number one and number two pitchers more often. They're not having to skip a turn because they, the off day didn't fall right and all these different things, where all of a sudden uh, that guy that's maybe nursing a little bit of an ankle injury, maybe you can steal him two days off because you're getting a couple more off days in there, and we can see some of the stars continue to play and get closer to playing the entire full schedule of games. Yeah, the money's going to change, and I think that's everyone's concern, right? Not sure. as many coming through the turnstiles for the owners, which means not as much going out to the players. I get that. But there are guys in Major League Baseball playing until they're 38, 40, 42, 45 years old. Can you imagine if instead of playing 162 games, they're playing 135? Those guys may be able to play till 50 if they're a DH. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And, and, and the one thing about baseball, and I tell this to a lot of young athletes, it's a lot more guaranteed money in baseball for whatever reason then definitely football, right? And then if you look at the NBA, I'd say it's probably a better guarantee there. And like you say, it's a longer life. It's just a longer lifespan. And, and, and who knows? 55, and I mean. Let me give you this added piece of that. If all of a sudden you cut the games down by 25, 30 games, you can expand the playoffs. That's a novel concept. That's what everybody else wants to do is expand the playoffs because that's where the big money is. Well, hello, Major League exactly. Baseball. Cut your season back a little bit, expand your playoffs, and now all of a sudden, and we know, and and oh by the way, A Rod created a stink the other day because he used a term that everybody thought was just blasphemous. He said the term revenue sharing in baseball. 
He never said salary cap. He said revenue sharing. Basically saying if we can spread this money out and everybody kind of help each other make money, all of our teams will be better. Expanded play also make more sense because we won't have as many mismatches because teams can kind of compete financially. I think it's a great concept. If Think about it. The NFL thrives off of two things, parity and making people want more. We're only going to play 16 games, so you, you already want more, and so many teams talent-wise are very, very close. Now, you're going to have your, you know, whoever wins the whole thing, your best team in the league, you know, uh, uh, you know that wins the Super Bowl, your Chiefs, uh, and, and being that much different than, well, last year's Miami Dolphins, if you will, the worst and, and, and kind of the best. But in general, many of those teams in the National Football League are packed in there together. And that's what that league uses, parity. Because think about it. The NBA, they sell stars. The NFL, they sell football teams, and anybody can win on any given Sunday. And it's the most popular league that makes the most money, that gets the most eyeballs. And, oh, by the way, they only play 16 games, not 82 or 162. Yeah, no doubt. NASCAR, I hope you're listening in because you also play a lot of NASCAR. I mean, you run around that track. Quite a bit of times. Now, that, of course, uh, we are live right now up in Charlotte, North Carolina, with the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr. Of course, played his days with that former famous head coach over there, Joe Pye, and the Penn State Nittany Lions. He's currently doing a lot of radio and TV with UNC Charlotte and Gardner-Webb. And, of course, he's a huge contributor to Southern Sports Central. We talk about adjusting the schedule. You mentioned the NFL. Let's tie it into college because uh, there is a huge – growing belief within the NFL that due to the likelihood of the changes in the 2020 college football schedule, elite level, notable guys, of course, Clemson's guy is going to be at the top of that list, may not even see the field this year. Reginald, your thoughts, your hearing, what, what, what are your thoughts when it comes to the really weird asterisk season that they're looking to have this year when it comes to the top prospects that are, uh, of course, hopefully going to be jumping into the draft this time, uh, well, into the next year? Well, first of all, I'll tell you this. Most of those NFL people are creatures of habit. So the biggest problem is they're, they're having to change their habit. They're having to change their process on evaluating players if this happens. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, one of the later things I'm hearing is this may only be uh, an FCS Division Two down kind of thing, and the, quote, big boys may still play this fall. Now, the interesting thing to that is I, I've, I've – I don't know how accurate that is because I just got uh, some messages that are some FCS conferences will be hosting their media days virtually in the next couple of weeks. So that tells me they're probably leaning towards playing. I think I did see an announcement. Maybe the Big South uh, said they're keeping their football schedule intact, at least to this point. So that right there tells you there's a little bit of upheaval and, and, and not a lot of people on the same page. And, and as I've said to you before, uh, people can say, where's Mark Emmert in this? I don't want to hear it because people have been cutting Mark Emmert's legs out from under him, destroying his concept of leadership for the last 10 years. So don't look to Mark Emmert now that you need a savior at the last minute. Don't try to be his friend. I don't want to hear that. But as we continue to move forward and, 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 and see where this season shows up, I tell you, if the FCS and Division Two and those groups decide that they're going to play in the spring and maybe potentially play in the spring moving forward, so as not to have to compete, that's going to cause a problem for the, quote, big boys because these FCS schools, they fill out a lot of schedules. And so all of a sudden, Bama's not going to get to play Chattanooga 
the week before they play Auburn. That working bye goes away. All of a sudden, Clemson's not going to play Walford the week before the South Carolina game. The working bye goes away. So I'm telling you right now, as much as we hear that the FBS and the Power Five doesn't really care about FCS schools and down, they're going to realize that they need them more than they're willing to admit publicly if the schedule changes for FCS to play in the spring moving forward. I agree with you. It's the old Walmart versus Kmart conversation. You know, Walmart needed Kmart to be around for that competitiveness before the targets of the world came in, right? You would see how many times that Walmart would financially help Kmart behind the doors stay alive. Competition is a good thing, and they feed off of one another. You're seeing that in multiple ways from that big boy league to the other league. I don't want to say the little boy, little guy league because these guys down there can play some football, but why one needs one, the other needs the other. And for the paycheck that's going to be missing from these other colleges, like a Charleston Southern, like a Citadel, we're naming the local schools here, or even the UNC Charlotte, which I hear, by the way, that game is still a go in Tennessee. What are you hearing about UNC taking that road trip to open up over there, our playing early in the season against Tennessee? I haven't heard any change on that. Uh, it, look, it looks like it's on schedule. Uh, looks like uh, I think uh, Gardner Webb is still on schedule to go down to Georgia Tech week two as well. Uh, so right now, as we look at this schedule lay itself out, uh, at least at the FBS level and, and for the most part at the FCS level, I think the only ones that we've seen fully uh, jump ship in terms of uh, moving to the spring at least is the Ivy League. Uh, so generally right now, the schedule is very much intact. But I'll be interested to see if there are any stoppages, if there are any delays, uh, pauses in the season due to positive COVID-19 results. Uh, Many schools send out their numbers on a weekly basis. Every time they test, they're sending out those numbers. Uh, And and the numbers have been trending in a direction that's making it more likely uh, that we're going to see a football season this fall in college football. We're live right now in Charlotte, North Carolina, with one of our own, Reginald Walker, Jr., of course, uh, handling business on a Thursday night, 7 o'clock segment. We go now to the high school ranks. I know North Carolina, South Carolina is a different body. They're doing their own things in each state. Heck, they're doing it per county here in South Carolina. Now, just last week, they voted one for the high school league to go with their proposal. However, there's a thing called the Lexington One proposal that decided that they would, well, throw a wrench in that plan and they would throw it to the appeal pellet. After yesterday, didn't learn a whole lot other than they're going to go back, look at it, and then they're going to come back. Have you been able to follow the South Carolina high school uh, conversation and, and your thoughts of what are the pros and cons of playing this thing with a very minimum amount of time, Reginald, to get these kids physically ready, not as much mental, but physically ready with this heat in about a month to kick off the season comparatively to go ahead and put this thing in January? Well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me say this first, because you made the point about South Carolina. Much of that is going on in North Carolina, pretty much the same thing. Uh, there are counties doing sort of trying to do different things because they've been allowed to start to work out. Other counties are not as comfortable. So there's a mixture. I, I'm in uh, Mecklenburg County, which encompasses Charlotte. Uh, many of the schools in Mecklenburg County, public schools, are not working out yet because the county is not completely comfortable with that. Um, meanwhile, Union County, one county over, those schools have been working out for upwards of three or four weeks. Uh, so there's so much going on. Then the private schools, that's a whole other conversation 
charter schools, they're kind of on their own doing whatever they want. So to your point, whether it's North Carolina or South Carolina, there's a lot of questions. It's all over the place. And the scariest part about it is at the high school level, because you have state championships, because you have so many things that have to come together, whether it's in some states they use PowerPoints um, for, in terms of playoffs, some states use league standings and who you played, all these different formulas. But if everybody's on a different slate at the 3A level or the 6A level or whatever level it is in high school that you are, if everybody on the same level is doing different things, how do you lay out a football season that is fruitful aside from players getting exposure and the money to the high schools? Because the competition aspect, the quality of play, perhaps may not be what it should be because everybody's on so many different levels of how they're preparing each week. That, to me, is somewhat concerning. Yeah, I would agree with you. As we're live right now talking North Carolina, South Carolina, and even though they may be north and south, there seems to be a lot of similarities. Of course, Reginald Walker right there in the midst of it all in Charlotte, North Carolina. A lot of things the same here. We've got the Skeezer League, which is the private schools. They're at a go, by the way. They, they were at a go three weeks ago when we had some of the coaches on here. The charter schools, like you mentioned, they're kind of their own deal. They kind of run their own show there. They've been practicing as well. We've got a county here at Berkeley County, which we talk about Stratford. Of course, Berkeley, Hanahan. You've got a handful of schools. Stratford's in that conversation and a few others, but they have not stopped practicing because, well, quite frankly, their cases are down, but yet everybody else around them has stopped practicing, and then there are some schools, Reggie, that never got a chance to start back up, be it in the higher risk area down there in Hilton Head and Beaufort County, that even when some of the schools started about a month ago, they were never cleared to do it. So my thing is, it's not an even playing field. There's just so many questions going into it. I'm going to segue this with, with another question to you, Reginald. California has been the latest state to say we're not playing until January. Now, of course, you see Coach Hines. He's one of that big for what it's worth. He comes on. He's a big social media guy. He's over there in San Diego as a high school coach. And he said, man, look, we're just proud that we're getting to play football. We're not going to whine about not playing now. We're going to just enjoy playing then. But when it comes to the NCAA and being a man that played in a huge university over there at Penn State, you know how this thing works. But does the the, the NCAA, are they going to have to move some things around when it comes to different rules and regulations? Because – it just seems like it's just a whole hot mess between coast to coast and what everybody is completely on a different level and different playing field right now. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to really allow. Um, and I just talked about how this isn't good for high school football, um, which, so I'm going to sound a little bit like a hypocrite, but at the collegiate level, they're going to have to allow the conferences and the regions to make a lot of decisions jointly to in, in that regard, because, you know, when you look at the Pac-12, I'm just going to use the Pac-12 as an example, most of their member schools, well, half uh, of their member schools are in the state of California. Um, so that, that creates um, a little bit of difference for actually less than half at this point. Uh, but they're along that West Coast if you go all the way up to, to Washington and, and, and all those. So they've got to look at that, whereas a part of their member uh, group, you know, Utah, Colorado, I haven't seen a lot about their cases. I don't know that those numbers are as high. 
Arizona was considered on, I mean, just a ridiculous hot spot. Uh, California, we know, was a big one uh, initially as well. So they're trying to control what's going on in those two states. But meanwhile, you look at a state like Oregon, maybe those numbers weren't as high. You look at Colorado and Utah, numbers are a little bit different than they are in very, very urbanized, heavily, densely populated areas like L.A., like Phoenix, like San Francisco. Those areas saw a lot bigger numbers uh, than you would see in Corvallis, Oregon, uh, so to speak. So they're having to make those decisions together to protect the region, protect the conference. Um, and I think you have to allow that at the collegiate level, mainly because they're so – look, I'm not diminishing the high school money aspect, but that's what it comes down to at the collegiate level. There's so much money tied to it, whether that means closing down programs, whatever the case may be, there are a lot of factors uh, that they're concerned about that they're taking into consideration, which is why you're going to have to let the regions kind of make those decisions amongst each other, let those conference presidents make those decisions together. And, and Reggie, this is Eugene. I want to go back to, like you said, you know, North Carolina and South Carolina seem to be doing similar things and that there are some counties playing some or practicing, some are not. You know, the charter schools are doing their own thing. Um, so far that I can tell, because I would imagine if – something has gone awry in either of those counties where they're practicing full bore or the charter schools that are practicing full bore, if someone had been sick or had taken it home to a parent or, or uh, you know, grandparents, stuff like that, we would have heard, it would have gotten a lot of media attention. We haven't heard anything like that. And this is, this is now going into the third week of July. So those kids have been together practicing going back to June. So you figure that's a good seven, eight weeks. Um, and so while those schools are kind of the ones the guinea pigs, you know, I, I'm really not seeing anything as far as, you know, the children getting sick or, or reports of anybody, you know, coming home with something or anything like that. I'm wondering, you know, I, I don't hear anyone talking about that as a good thing. No one mentions that. They just mention the daily reports and the daily numbers. So I, I was just wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's interesting. I will say this. At the high school level, and, and I'd love to know, uh, I don't know how much they're testing at the high school level. I don't know what a lot of the protocols are um, at the high school level. I know that uh, a lot of folks are a lot less concerned about high school age kids, middle school age kids, in terms of contracting uh, COVID-19. So uh, I think the question is, how often are they testing, and are we getting those results um, in terms of at the high school level like we're getting at the collegiate level? I think that's step one. Step two is what they obviously they're comfortable enough to keep these kids working out together, which means I would prefer them at that point to release to the world how they're doing it so that everyone else can take note, right? If it's working, take note of what they're doing to make it work so that everyone else can get on the same page. So to your point, if there's positive news, share how you're getting to that result so everybody else can get to the positive news as well. And I'll tell you, you know, every day that the training staff checks temperatures, um, you know, the workout groups are, are been much smaller uh, and kept, you know, segregated out, so, you know, eight to ten. I think it's ten guys. I think that's what 1.5 is, um, you know, and working out with coaches. But you, you still have kids around each other. You know, you pass dudes in the hall. You pass them whatever. Uh, you know, it's just – 
even in the weight room, you sanitize it, and I know the school goes through gallons of that sanitization spray. They, it kind of looks like something you would spray for ants outside. You know, but the thing is, these kids have been able to work out without any disasters. You know, and I say that, thank God, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, cause a controversy with it, but I'm just trying to say that, you know, it is, it does be working. Otherwise, I feel like we would have heard it seven ways from Sunday. So I'm just wondering, you know, what's holding other schools from pulling the trigger when what they're, when there are already so many examples of it working and so far working It's one of two things. They either are not aware of how the schools that are doing it successfully are doing it and don't feel that they can as well, or B, uh, they're hamstrung by whatever maybe their county has decided um, at a level above them to make that decision. Those are the only two ways I can look at it from that standpoint uh, because we don't, and that's the thing. I, I know that there are a lot of temperature checks going on. I do know that, but, and, and separating kids, keeping them in small groups. But how are, like, in a county like Union County in North Carolina, right, the, the, there are some restrictions in the county in terms of what they're doing and what they're allowed to do and whether it relates to staying at home or alcohol sales or all these different things to try to keep people at home. So clearly there is a concern, but how they're keeping their testing numbers down in terms of their high school student athletes, there's a lot of people that would want to know that information because they'd want to do the same thing in their counties. And so I think it comes down to, for lack of a better term, uh, ignorance on how the process is happening in other areas and, and finding a way to do the same because Here's the reality. They all want to play. The kids want to play. There was a big rally here in Mecklenburg County earlier this week. Uh, the kids went to the, to the county uh, board, of, board of Education offices to say, we want to play. Meanwhile, the county, because of the case numbers, were still continuing to kind of go up. The county just implemented, and I believe it begins tonight, restaurants cannot serve any alcoholic beverages and have to become takeout only or delivery after 11 p.m. in the county. And the premise for that is to keep everybody at home to try to get the case numbers back down. Now, I know we're talking about high school football players, but in a county where they're changing uh, and putting in ordinances like that, clearly I understand why they're not allowing the high school football players to go play and work out. The flip side of that is, are they talking to Union County, which is the county next door to us, about how, to, they, how Union County is keeping the numbers down amongst their athletes so that the athletes in Mecklenburg County can get back on the field as well? No doubt about it. We're live right now. Reginald Walker, Jr. joining us from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, you can find him covering the UNC Charlotte guys and, of course, the Gardner-Webb guys here coming up. It looks like to be green grass, at least right now, in the fall of of the football season. The final thing I want to get you, because I know you got about 30 minutes, we're going to go over just a little bit. While we are all focused on COVID-19, but the longer we wait, the longer this thing gets pushed back, right, to getting a start date of practice. And, again, down here in the southeast, we hit Charlotte, North Carolina, or Charleston, South Carolina. The humidity that comes up through the ground for sure here in the low country is a concern of its own. Reggie, how much do we need to not say that we don't need to not pay attention to COVID-19, but now if we're not careful, we're going to be looking at dealing with not one but two major concerns, and that is 
the health of these young athletes physically to come out and deal with this humidity with only a month turnaround time before kickoff season. Oh, that's a major concern, and I think I think it's gonna it, it's gonna create two things. Um, I think it's gonna create um, uh, an additional level, right, by coaches and 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 trainers um, to be more cautious with kids, uh, and it may impact the overall quality of play because you may see some kids see some programs play less kids or play more kids that may not be as high quality of player because they need to make sure that 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 starting running back is getting enough rest because he didn't have as much time to acclimate uh, to the heat and humidity of the Carolina late summer, early fall um, of a football season. And so that's a factor. Uh, So I think what you're going to see is a lot more caution. Uh, We'll see a lot of programs take more precautions uh, as the season begins and and moves through just to make sure these kids are, are in the right kind of shape to safely perform and not hinder themselves or injure one another because they weren't able to acclimate properly. No doubt about it. As always, right on time and does a phenomenal job when he's with us here. Of course, the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. Don't forget, Reggie, on the 31st, that is a Friday. A Friday and a week from tomorrow, we'll be right there in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we expect to see you over there. And I'll have to get you the information, the location, because i got a feeling it's not too far from where you are, been in. Hopefully we can catch up, if not Thursday night, Friday during the during the event, but definitely Friday afternoon we can go out and hang out and catch up a little bit. There's always a place to eat in Charlotte, and I'm always looking for one to go to. So we'll figure that out. <laughs> you guys, hey, listen, football season's coming one way, one way or the other. It may be abbreviated. It may be elongated. It may be we may get football from September all the way through April. Who knows? But the bottom line is we want all these players to be safe, enjoy the game, and play at their best. That's all we can ask for. Uh, And with that being said, it looks like we're going to only have conference games in the Big Ten. That may change. Who knows? But uh, I'm concerned about one team, my Nittany Lions. We got to find a way to beat Ohio State and beat Michigan and find a way to play for a national championship. That's the goal. That's always the goal. That's always the battle. We'll see what happens. I think James Franklin's doing an excellent job. But until then, guys, I'll talk to you next week on Tuesday, I'm sure. But for now, That's right. we are. I'm out. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And it's always a pleasure to check in with a guy who loves the game, played the game, and continues to surround himself with the game of football and much more. We talked baseball. We covered the little NASCAR, NBA, NFL, you name it. We touched it. And now it's time to touch a break. We'll be right back. We do want to thank Reginald Walker, Jr. for his time and all the great information and knowledge that he dropped on us there for the last 30 minutes, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Cause there is no way you're round it Cause everyone falls down 
to hear the appeal from Lexington County School District, one, uh, of course, pertaining to the 2021-2020, there you go, South Carolina High School sports calendar. Now, again, it was a three-hour long, and it became a little bit different. And at some point, it's uncomfortable, awkward. Eugene, you and I sat back and, and, and kind of went back, and, of course, you were doing a great job keeping us up to date over there on our Twitter page at SO Sports Central. But was it me or, or your thoughts, man? Because it seems at, at one point even the lawyer representing the high school league kind of like she took it personal, like like it was a stab towards her. When yet I, I think we're, we're, we're losing track here that it's not about the 16 members in that room or the two or three members from Lexington, it's about the thousands of kids in the state of South Carolina, right? Wow. And, and, you know, she just, she really got upset. And instead of, you know, arguing the merits of the case, really just kind of, I felt like went after a coach Bennett and was like, how dare you? She said, uh, I think she used the word. It was, um, he was absurd. And there was something else. I mean, she kind of just went out instead of saying, look, right. we're here, we're here to do one thing. And I believe she – I don't know the backgrounds of everyone else in the room, but she was the only one in the room who's a lawyer who should understand how this process worked. And I don't – it was so frustrating to watch. And I wish I could just, just speak and just say something to everyone in the room and just say, this is not your job. You're, the only scope right. of your job here today has nothing to do with South Carolina High School League plans. It has nothing to do with contingencies or not contingencies or this or that or schedules or COVID stories or DHEC or what other states are doing. Their only job period was to hear the Lex One plan and that they, right. they put it to a vote and it lost. They appealed that decision. It was the appellate panel was only to hear the Lex One proposal again and that their request to have it re-voted on because that's all, that's it. So what they ultimately decided was to table it, not vote on a case, just very odd, kick the case, and they said that we're going to wait until after the next regular executive committee meeting. To me, that's not how the process works. You don't take something that doesn't get an appellate ruling on, send it, back down without ruling. I mean, I've seen cases where uh, in the legal field where the appellate court will say, well, we'll rule on this and we're going to send it back. We're going to, they call it a remand. We're going to remand it back down for that judge to make another ruling. And then we'll review the final package. They didn't even do that. They just said, well, we're not really going to make a decision today. We're going to let the executive committee. I'm like, the case isn't with the executive committee. It's still up with you guys. Here's here's what I got out of the most of it. No one at any level wants to make a decision, whether it's fear or political reasons or whatever. No one wants to make a decision because if you make a decision that says, you know, let's go play football and 10 kids get sick and two die and they take it home to grandma and grandma dies, then you're the evil money-hungry person who wanted to put people in the stands. If you don't do anything, and or, or if you make a decision that says, we're not having sports period in the fall until numbers go down, then you're beat up for being, you know, the evil miser who took all the joy away from kids. Kids need this entertainment. 
you're taking away chances for scholarships, you're bad. So it just seems like no right. one wants to make a decision because they don't want to be a yes or no. So they're like, well, to maybe we'll wait for more data and information. I don't get how the data and information can come from one. He said it's coming. Uh, the high school league said it was coming from multiple sources when they asked him what the threshold was. What people are saying is, what is the number of cases going up or down that would cause you to say either we can play or not play? There's no answer. No one answered that because no one wants to say, well, 1,000, because then we get to 1,000, people say, all right, let's go kick the ball off. They don't want to do that. Right. I mean, obviously, ideally, everybody wants the answer to be zero. But at that point, and that's all, and so that's the gist of what I got was, number one, the appellate panel – had no clue what the process and what their job duties were. Two, everybody wants to kick the can down the road because no one wants to make a decision because either way, nobody wants to be the bad guy or the fall guy. And three, I don't even know what the final result was other than they're going to wait for the executive committee to make a decision on something that has no bearing on this appeal. So, You know what it reminded me of, though? It reminded me of when our – and, again, when when the leaders of our state was like it was a stay-at-home order or it was a go to this place and then you're at this place, place that you're at. Does that sound kind of familiar to what we watched on Wednesday? It was kind of like – Oh, yeah. Our leadership – and, again, I, I couldn't imagine being in your roles. I understand it. I, I, I'm going to agree with you on the, the only lawyer that was in the room. I thought it was a very tactless situation to go after Coach Bennett the way she did. She strictly – I thought it went at him one-on-one because it's like she, she was taken up for her little brother. And I thought that was kind of uh, – it just wasn't a good look for, for somebody who went to college and to be a professional, to be unprofessional in that manner. I thought that was a bad look. And it made the whole board, all 16 of you, by the way, and she's a representation of you. And for everybody that wants to keep reminding the world of social media that it was a – you know, one minute I thought it was 14-2. to two. Now I'm hearing it was 15-1. to one, But it really doesn't matter because the win's a win and a loss is a loss. There's still a lot of different aspects by this thing to me. It's quite frankly, this is why I, I don't understand it, 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 what it is. They have got to implicate more active coaches in this situation going forward. And we got what we got now. All right? And, and I understand that. But we have got to put some more active coaches in these conversations. Again, the only people that are in this room are former coaches that haven't – some of them haven't coached in a long time. I mean, in a long time, and some of them never coached. And some of them might have never played. But I'm going to be honest with you. I understand that it's a big responsibility, that you don't want to pull the string and say, I chose to do this. But that's why you took that job. You, you went after that job. They didn't come for you. You went for that job. So we need you to make that decision. And if you upset Lexington one and those who like Lexington ones, then so be it. But you should have made that decision on yesterday. There should have been an answer coming out of yesterday. Yes or no, period. Not a table, not a we'll talk about it later. Because as of right now, Lexington one wasn't hit with a, with, with a strike. And, and, and the guys in the high school league weren't hit with a check as far as the check mark, correct? I mean, basically – if that was almost yesterday, it never happened, Eugene. Is that, would, be, would that be kind of about right? right. And how in the world does the appeal pellet, can they not, do they not have social media? Because I saw everything that happened in the week ago. I saw some of it before we even went to the, so we went to the, to the, to the whole situation. 
How were they not prepared knowing that this was coming? And they said that they weren't given the information, so until somebody and delivers it to them, they're not going to read it? Man, all you got to do is go to social media, and there it is. Or watch the same film that we watched last Wednesday for three and a half hours. Well, and the other thing is, you know, again, they were not there to hear the high school league plan because that has no bearing right. on the election and one appeal. You know, and that one of the gentlemen started griping about not having had that plan. That It was irrelevant material. It had nothing to do with it. Then the one that got me was the lady, and I can't remember what district she was representing, but she goes on there. She is on the South Carolina High School League appellate panel. That's For anyone who may not know, the South Carolina High School League does nothing but govern sports. That's it. She, her opening montage had nothing to do with making a decision. It was a diatribe on how she didn't feel like they should even be talking about sports at this point. <laughs> so I'm wondering That's why, why we're is here. she in the room? Why is she in the room? I just could not. I, I just sat back and, you know, I was typing and pulling. I was listening on my phone and typing on the laptop. And, you know, she just finished her whole spiel on, I don't even know why we're talking about this. We shouldn't, we shouldn't even be talking about athletics. And I said, well, why are you even on this board? Why are you here? Right. It's kind of like, you know, looking around the room, who invited her? Now, obviously, she signed up for it or someone nominated her for it, and I'm sure she had to, like, raise her hand and say, yeah, I'm willing to do it. But so I, I was left very confused on that one, among many other things, but that was one of the most confusing all day for me. Okay, so my – well, nine is, and I think we're on the same page with the lady that decided to go after Coach Bennett. It's probably – she's our number one. My number two is the gentleman that decided I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say much, but then would go on for thirty minutes about his district and how <laughs> yeah. he's talked to every coach. The coaches you probably talked to, by the way, were probably baseball coaches, by the way, because we understand baseball guys. We get it. We got a lot of love for you. You want to play a full season? You got a loaded team. This is your year. I'm gonna tell you what. This is gonna be the world's greatest season of high school baseball in the state of South Carolina. So if you're listening outside the state. When we do finally get baseball up and running here in the state of South Carolina, if you love watching the round, the baseball down here on the diamond, man, come on to South Carolina because we got some ballers, we got some teams. I, every coach I talk to is loaded. It is it, it's going to be epic, and, and we're excited. So I'm with the coaches. Let's wait. We're not going to play you guys in the fall. You, you want to opt out of the fall? That's cool. We'll see you guys in the spring. Eugene and I were pumped. That's why we we did what we did the other night. We love baseball, but we get it. We're done. No worries. Softball ladies, do y'all want to play? You do? Cool. We're going to put you guys in the fall. It's a done deal. No worries. If you want to play, Rick, can you raise your hand? Maybe they should have went that way instead of just saying, hey, who wants to play right now? Because there's no guarantee we're going to play in the spring. But right now we're definitely playing. So one game is better than no games, and ten games are better than six games, right? I mean, that's how you had to sell it. That's how you should have looked at it. But for me, the one gentleman, and, and I think he's in the upstate, who, it, it, you know, he would get all choked up on his words. And it was just – he was almost being condescending. And that's the thing I don't understand is that last time I looked on that, that, that thing, everybody on that panel and everybody that was in that room or on that Zoom meeting was adult, right, Eugene? So why in the world – why there's so much condes – I mean, I will give – again, leave the condes – leave all that behind. Let's get the job done so that we can get these kids in the right area. All right, we're done. I don't care whether we play in the spring. 
I don't care if we play in the fall. I don't care if we play in the winter. I just want to play. You just need to tell us when we're playing so that we can go and do what we do. And I think that's what these kids are trying to do. You're teetering with these kids, and you're not, you're not giving them a direction. We just did this with these kids in spring. You never pulled the string on these kids in spring for a month. They thought they were coming back to play, and everybody else in the world knew they weren't. Just say what you got to say, and let's move forward. Go ahead, Eugene. Yeah, uh, and, and to, to that end on the spring thing, I knew that Friday afternoon uh, when they canceled schools um, that we weren't going back to school for the rest of the year. And they were these kids were led to believe, and they were led on many, many times. They were led on with, you know, well, we have two weeks out, and then another um, right before those two weeks were up, it was, you know, we'll start back to school after spring break. Um, then that didn't happen. And yet so many people very high up in the government um, – some people that I'm very close with said that Friday afternoon, we're not going back to school this year. Like it's a done deal. Um, and you know, no one wanted to create panic in the systems and just saying we're all shut down. You know, with people thinking about what am I going to do with my kids, blah, blah, blah. So it was almost like a slow bleed. And it feels like that's what they're doing now is a slow bleed. Like, you know, you're bleeding to death. It's just slowly, you know, it's kind of like, you know, just give me my dang medicine right now. Or bandage it up and let me live, but, like, don't bleed me out slowly. And that's what it is. You know, I, I was going to joke when you were talking there and say, you know, you're about 13 minutes in, so at one point you guys to say, I just have one more thing, because that's what that gentleman <laughs> did the other day. <laughs> at 13 minutes in, he said he had one more thing, and then he talked to another <laughs> seven and a half. So um, his, uh, his monologue was 20 and a half minutes, man, and, and didn't vote on anything. And, had, and then when someone said – when he turned it over to um, the uh, South Carolina High School, to uh, was there a question? <laughs> so, like, oh my God! Please don't start over. Please don't like, start over. Yeah. So, so, and then, but, but it became comical for us because it had to become something because I was going so crazy. I'm sitting here. I'm thinking. All right, I, I got to make a game out of this. We're, so we're, we're, we're thinking of things we can do. You know, you, you saw Joe Hughes. He made his comment. I mean, I talked to him today. He was, he opted not to just – he's just like, man, look, uh, I'll join you Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or – I don't know. I, I just – I don't know what to do right now. I don't. It, it's like Ricky Bobby up there, man. Everybody doesn't know what to do with their hands. I mean, nobody knows what's going on. Let's just pick a plan, you know. Let's just get a direction. Let's get something moving in some way, shape, or form. You know, I mean, and then they asked the one gentleman, and he's like, look, man, I got a sick wife. Dude. Why aren't we voting right now? Can we do it right now? And I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know where I'm going to be on the 11th or the 10th. And, and so, it, it, and even, and here's the concern I got. Even the leadership on, on multiple levels of, of both sides said that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There was, there was a lot of contradicting going on. In, in, in that conversation. Now, I get it. And, 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 of course, you know, you and I both know the one gentleman that wants to play football so bad, he would go play tomorrow. Unfortunately, I think he's used up his eligibility in high school for sure and in college. But, but he wants to play real bad. And, and, and every time we put something on social media, he's the first guy to, to, to tweet at us. He's the first guy to respond to everybody that puts anything down. We get it. We get you guys want to play. There's no doubt. And don't think for a minute Southern Sports Central, Richie Altman, Eugene Benton, you don't think we don't want to be out there on Friday night? That's what we do, by the way. 
You don't think that there's not a media guy, girl, right now that doesn't want to play on Friday night in September? Then you're missing the boat, and you got a lot more issues than what you thought you did. Because that's where we live is in high school Friday night lights. We understand the importance of what it means, not just for one level, a thousand levels. It's an onion. You got to peel it back because there's a thousand levels of layers in there. So to think that we don't want to see football, that's not even close to it. All right, there's different things that we look at. And at this point, okay, fine. It's an open-air environment. It's an open-air sport. But if we don't put these kids together soon, understand this. Football season, getting these kids out here in the middle of the hottest part of the year, in the state of South Carolina, and definitely where I'm at in the low country, where we saw numerous kids in week zero, week one, and I talked to a coach all the way up to week three, dropping down from heat exhaustion. And these coaches have not been in contact as much as some may think they have. So you have no hands on these kids. So you don't really understand how important it is or to be working out right now. And that's why at Southern Sports Central, we push these kids to go to as many of these camps as they can responsibly, stay away, stay out of people's faces, but be responsible, but you got to stay in shape. Stay in shape so you don't have to get in shape. But there's a big difference between working at home and working in a weight room, and I think we all know that. We do have to head to a break. When we come back, we're heading to the Grand Strand. Ian Duren's going to join us. He's got a lot to talk about. He's got some heavy thoughts on this, too. And, again, if you would like to call in, guys, look, I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not going to cut you short. I can't let you ramble for 45, but I can give you a good 10, maybe 15. But if you got a point, come on and hang out. Let's debate it, and let's agree to disagree. It's okay. That's, that's, that's the cool part of life. We're not always going to like everything together. That's pretty cool. I, I'm good with that. But we are going to agree to go to break. When we come back, we'll check on the Grand Strand. We'll see what's going on up there with some of their football teams. And will they get on the football field soon? All that and much more is hour number three. It's coming up, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Southern Sports Central. I'm Richie Altman, Eugene Benton, and we'll be right back. Two in the books, one on the way, and, of course, any minute now, Ian Gurren will check in from the Grand Strand with MyOriNews.com. We'll check in with Ian and see what's up in his side of the world up there in my hometown and around that side of the world as the PD and the Grand Strand, Ori County, uh, hopefully uh, will be doing something. Again, it's not just football that's on the docket. This is not the only thing. However, you know, football is the highest revenue sport out of high school sports nationwide. I would I would assume I think there may I'm sure somewhere there might be a, a miracle that it's not but but that was what it would take because we all know that that you have to have that one sport because it pays for the other sports and even baseball even basketball I mean there are some places that probably packs out the gym but the size of a football stadium quite frankly I would imagine is uh, it speaks for itself now again uh, we want to thank everybody who sponsors us and we want to take a quick minute to. Give a shout-out to the Music Man Barbecue, located at 112 East Railroad Avenue. That's over in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. You can reach out to them at 843-899-7675. And, uh, Eugene, we'll just kind of wait to see if Ian's going to get in here. I know he was closing up some things and trying to get in here as close to 8 o'clock as he can. But, but when you look at it, there are other sports that are on this docket. So it's not just football that's waiting. 
right? There's volleyball that's usually played right now. There's cross country that's played right now. There's other sports that they're, they're, they're waiting on it as well. So, again, while we focus on the football talk, some of the other sports, uh, and to be honest with you, they're all just as important. Not saying that one's more important than the other, because financially is one thing, but importance is a total different thing, Eugene. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. You look around, and, and I get it with football. It's a big revenue sport, um, and, and teams, you know, have 60, 80. Some, some teams have 100 players in this state. But you look at, you know, the other sports as well, like you said, the volleyball. Volleyball is taking off big time in South Carolina. Um, you know, com- the, the cheer, not just the competitive cheer, but cheer for, you know, the football teams. Um, you know, that's a big thing. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's I wouldn't say it's a sport, but there's also a big competition that's not going on right now in, in the high school um, arena, and that's the band. You know, band practice would be going on all summer. You know, so those kids are out. They're used to out, you know, sweating it out in the heat and uh, going through practices and marching and things like that. And, you know, they get conditioned as well so that when games kick right. off and they're in the stands and uniforms, you don't have those guys dropping like flies as well from – heat exhaustion. So it's a very, very somber, you know, just being right now Um, because there's so many things going into August. August is kind of the the wind down. Um, We were out riding the golf cart earlier and and talking about, you know, letting the kids know, hey, man, you got like four more weeks and then all this stuff of staying up late, you know, at night and and playing video games and hanging out with your buddy in the pool all day, that stuff's going to start winding down. Um, and it, you probably remember that too, being a little kid where your mom was like, Hey man, you know, we got to start, you know, going to bed early next week at nine o'clock because they were trying to get you conditioned for getting ready for school and getting ready for that schedule. You know, it's the same thing with mentally with these kids. They're so you so used to August rolling around and having things to do, places to go, the social interaction, but it's all kind of this buildup until the first day of school. And right now there's none of that. And so for, for a lot of places and, you know, again, one of my biggest fears um, is going to be some of the, um, the mental um, side for some of these kids. I don't want to say mental illness, um, but you know, some of the, I think you're going to see a lot more depressions. You know, unfortunately we've seen, I think I saw something earlier that said there's been a double, uh, in the rate of suicides. And, you know, I just, there's so much that kids get out of that physical um, activity during the day and the social interaction that's just, you know, it's been taken away from them. And especially at that age when these guys are, you know, we're talking about uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what they do. They eat, sleep, and socialize. And so that's what's scaring me the most right now. What you but you have to do it safe. We do need to go to the hotline because, of course, we are now finally joined here. Ian Gurren, uh, we were able to get him the right number to get him in here. And, of course, uh, join our show. He is with MyWordInCountyNews.com. Ian, first of all, good afternoon, good evening. How's the family doing up there on the Grand Strand, brother? Well, you know, bored as heck in lockdown. But, you know, that's everybody right now. So, you know, you just learn how to deal with it. You find fun activities. Um, I think we've gotten through about uh, – 18 packs of uh, sidewalk chalk since April. Um, so my na- my neighbors love the designs they get and the, the drawings that they get on their doorsteps. So, you know, hey, you got to make the best of it, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I told everybody in my neighborhood, I didn't realize we had as many kids as we did. I mean, it became entertaining <laughs> to some of my neighbors because I started running 
you know, a few miles a day, and it got up to three or four miles. And now all of a sudden I had neighbors standing at the edge of their driveway because at one point they were, I guess, essential. They were working from home, and uh, they were standing there ranking me as I ran by with numbers. I mean, it was, it was almost comical to some degree. But, you know, through everything bad, there's always got to be some good. And, and, and like you mentioned, you know, families are reconnecting again for the first time, maybe in a long time. I mean, there's, there is some good, even though there's some bad. And, Eugene, I thought brought up some good points, Ian. I want to get your thoughts on this because I know you've done some stuff up there on the Grand Strand in my backyard as well where I grew up in Surfside. Uh, you've done some, some stuff. You've dibble-dabbled into some politics. And I think that's a good thing to have a guy like you that understands the world of sports because we need a voice. We need a voice in the world that we live in in that political craziness, right, that we call politics. But he mentioned something, and, and as athletes, we see this happening, but it doesn't get reported as much. Say, for an example, you've got a five-star kid that we cover, and he's done great things. Well, all of a sudden, kind of like Booby Miles, it goes down with an injury, right, on the, on the TV show there. All of a sudden, he goes from being a headline to a sideline, and then we're never talking about him. So you're talking about that emotional status that's gone down completely. On your point of view, and some of the guys and girls that you cover up there on the Grand Strand, and y'all got some ballers, I know that for sure, is have you thought of that side of this with us not getting them back in the school, not getting them back out on the fields that they participate in? Well, I mean, it's, it's easy. I think sometimes to look at the, the, the high level recruits and, and see, you know, them going from spotlight to no light. And we've had a few of those. I mean, we've had some kids that, that I thought for sure would, would find a college program and, and find, um, find these, these avenues to expand themselves. And, and instead they kind of dropped off the face of the earth a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got, you know, in Horry County, just like other pockets of the state, we've got kids who, who get out of high school, they, they drop out of college after, you know, a year or two, they decide that school and, and educating um, themselves and, and athletics maybe is not that important. Some of them, I mean, they've got some real horror stories attached to them. Um, you know, we've had a, a, a handful over and more than a handful of former football players who have died of gunshot in, injuries and, and fatalities in the, in the last uh, few years alone. I, I mean, it's, it's a sad thing to see. And I don't want to just say that's the four and the five star kids. I mean, we've got kids who are on malaria teams and we've got kids who you know barely ever see their name in in the proverbial newspaper even though we concentrate a little bit more online than we do on the print product these days in in newspapers you know they don't ever see their name in there you know those kids you know are dropping off the face of the earth too even though maybe that spotlight wasn't on them so when you're talking about taking athletics and taking school away you know, I think that that's something that we definitely need to, um, as as the adults in, in our communities, I think that we need to make sure that we're concentrating on all of those kids and not just the athletes. I mean, the, the band kids. I mean, band kids are going to suffer from not being around their friends and, and, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends and everything else, just like athletes will. You know, one of the reasons I decided to, to run for office in, in March when I filed was it had nothing to do with sports. It was about community and it was about trying to um, bring some new topics up that I felt were not being discussed, you know, enough, you know, flooding, even though it wasn't a, a huge issue in the district of County council that I ran for, 
I felt like it was a big countywide issue where we were hearing a lot of the same conversations, you know, this year and, and last year that we were 10 years ago when I really, really started paying attention to maybe that side of, of how our county worked. You know, things like that were a big deal. I felt like transparency was, was a big deal. We were having closed-door meetings um, deciding multi-million dollar deals about land purchases and, and building development and, and which, which codes were going to be enforced. And, and as, a, as a media member, that to me was always troublesome. You know, that was one of the things that I ran on was, was transparency and getting rid of closed-door meetings. Now, look, I got my butt kicked in the election. I'm, I'm, I'm a month and a half removed from it. You know, there's some things that I was really proud of. You know, we doubled voter turnout. In, in the primary over what it was four years ago. Um, you know, I got more votes than two people who were elected in other districts. Obviously, some of the things that I was, that I was saying caught on with folks, but some of it obviously didn't, you know, and that's okay. But I always believe it's important to get more voices in the room and make sure that people don't believe that when they're elected to a public office, that it's not a lifetime appointment. You should continue to earn that vote. The guy who beat me did, you know, he got, he got people to come out and vote for him like never before. He's, he's never had that kind of voter turnout in a primary. He earned it. You know, there was nothing sinister going on, you know, but the things that I was concerned about all revolved around community and making district four and making Horry County better, you know, any way I could at that time, I felt like that was something I could do. And just because I lost on June 9th doesn't mean that I'm not talking about those things anymore. Now, I'm talking about COVID a little bit more than, than I was, you know, during the campaign. Um, you know, we know more about it. And now I'm, I'm kind of using my voice and my platform, whether it's Twitter or whether it's an actual story in the newspaper, to talk about things that I believe that, that people need to be talking about. And one of those is, is obviously how do we make sure that our high school kids who are used to a level of normalcy with their extracurricular activities and their educational goals isn't getting completely shoved off to the side. And I tell you what, we're getting in deep over here with the one and only, of course, Mr. Ian Gurren. He is with MyOriCountyNews.com. He ran for office up there in Horry County this past election. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, man, a lot of guys that I talked to really liked your platform. They appreciated what you represented. And again, whether you liked it or not, or whether you meant to or not, or you tried to not connect with it or not, a lot of those guys are all athletic, at least background-wise, and they can relate to you. They felt that you could relate to them. And to me, that was a huge deal. Again, to have a voice in the room, like you mentioned, as well. we're talking to the one up on the Grand Strand. Now, Myrtle Beach is, uh, is kind of like Charleston, but in its own way when it comes to, of course, the tourism market. Now, Hilton Head, Buford's like that. What do you? What is your concept right now? And, and it was, I think, I saw a bunch of things over the weekend that looked like there was a, a couple of concerts going around, shoulder to shoulder activity, zero mask on any face that was sent to me from uh, some things. And I understand we need to continue to move, Ian, but shouldn't we be moving a little more responsibly? And our governor mentioned this just a month ago: is that it wasn't controlled, he would control it for us, meaning that there would be no high school sports while we're putting it all on the high school league. It's the governor who could shut this thing down if we're not controlled, correct? Well, yeah, and, and I think you, you brought up a really good point. You know, McMaster has the final say 
on a lot of these COVID-related issues. You know, he, he could do a mask mandate statewide. He could have done that in March or April. He chose not to, you know. But, you know, local municipalities had that option too. You know, a lot of people got on to me in June, uh, you know, for me pushing a mask mandate with, with the county and the, the city of Myrtle Beach. I happen to live in both. You know, I'm, I'm in the south end of city when it's in Market Common. And one of the things that I noticed living 0.6 miles from the water was in May, you know, April, May, if I went for a run, you know, and, and I could go up Kings Highway, I could cut over to Ocean Boulevard, and I could come right back down. And if I wanted to, I could run right down the darn middle of the street. I wasn't going to get hit by a car because limited movement and, you know, the hotels were closed. Well, when those started opening up, I mean, it was it was a direct correlation to watching more and more people from other parts of the country, many of which were considered hotspots long before Myrtle Beach in South Carolina was coming here. It doesn't take a genius to, to, to tie you know, tie the, the whole thing together. And then you start seeing our numbers jump through the roof and they've continued to do that. You know, whether people want to say that I'm getting political by saying that a mask mandate would have helped, you know, political is, is not public health. Public health is not political. You know, this is not a chicken or the egg conversation. Okay. If, if it is my firm belief that if mask mandates would have been enacted sooner that maybe some of these other things would have, be, would have been different today. You know, I said this yesterday right. on my Twitter feed. The, the state of South Carolina, whether you like it or not, prioritized the economy over education and high school sports. And, and, yes, college sports. South Carolina State is not playing football this year. That is going to be a huge financial impact on that university. And, and we all know that South Carolina State's already had financial problems in the past. They they made a decision as part of their conference not to have football this fall, you know, and there's a real good chance, no matter how much you hate it, that Clemson and South Carolina and Coastal Carolina are three Division A programs are not going to be playing either. You know, those are going to be huge revenue streams that are now gone. The state of South Carolina decided that tourism money was a priority. Again, whether you agree with it or not, that is the truth. There's no way around that. We opened hotels, we opened restaurants, you know, we, we promoted coming here and coming to the beaches in South Carolina, you know, Myrtle Beach and Charleston and Hilton Head. I mean, there's people in Hilton Head that are a heck of a lot more vocal about this whole thing than I am. You know, part of it is that they've got one way in and one way out and they're, they're jammed up, you know. So, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, things that maybe could have been different, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, you know, but some of these things were, were real were real simple in my mind and prioritizing tourism is, is why we're having three hour zoom meetings on a Wednesday afternoon that result in no information. It's because there's really not a whole lot of information to give people right now in terms of restarting schools and restarting athletics. Well, live right now with Ian Gurren, of course, he covers the Grand Strand, the PD area and a ton of other programs around the state of South Carolina and high school sports. But he also represents, of course, the guys over there at MyOriNews.com. And, of course, just recently ran for a position in office in the world of the politics and speaks very well about it. I, I, like, I understand your angle. And again, you're going to get riffraff from, from somebody. That's just the world we live in, Ian. I'm sure you're used to it at this point from doing what we do anyways, right? I mean, it, it is what it is. But 
let me ask you this. How much are we kicking the can? That's kind of the phrase we've kind of adapted here, adopted here on this thing. Are we waiting for somebody else to make a decision? And that person isn't even in any of these Zoom meetings, and it is the guy that sits at the head of the table when it comes to the state of South Carolina. Are they waiting on our governor to make this decision so that nobody's the bad guy here? I've, I've, I've said exactly that since, since day one of the closures. Look, you know, I deal really closely with Horry County Schools, obviously, in their programs. You know, for a while there, I, I, I was um, really involved with Horry County Council, you know, as a, as a guy trying to earn a seat at the table. You know, I, I was saying that about both of those entities. I was saying it about the city of Myrtle Beach. Nobody wants to be the bad guy because in the end, being the bad guy means that the target is on you, okay? I mean, if, if you're the person telling people that the $3,000 vacation to Myrtle Beach can't happen because, you know, hey, you got to wear a mask, and by the way, our restaurants are closed. We're going to let you stay in the hotel, but really the only thing you can do is go outside and go to the beach, and you got to stay 6 to 10 feet apart from each other. You know, that's something that lingers in people's minds. You know, heck, I mean, a, a few years back, the Myrtle Beach Marathon, was snowed out. And I mean, nobody's in control of mother nature. We got a freak snowstorm on a Friday afternoon, Friday night, the next morning, they had no choice, but to cancel the marathon because it wasn't safe to put a few thousand runners on the roads in Myrtle beach when we don't even have ice trucks here. And the lingering effect of that was years. It was felt for years because people felt that Myrtle beach did them wrong. You know, it didn't matter that those people, the organizers gave all those people free admittance, you know, the the next year for the for the marathon people in people's minds. Those the the people who were coming down to Myrtle Beach to try to qualify for Boston or just run a nice flat track, 26.2 miles, whatever it was, the, the, the ensuing years, people remembered that and they held a grudge. So that's something with Mother Nature. What's it going to be like when you start telling people your vacation can't happen? So no, the city of Myrtle Beach and no, Horry County did not want to be that bad guy. A lot of the other ones, the other districts around the state are, are taking the same approach now. Nobody wants to tell kids and their parents, look, we know you've done this your entire life, but guess what? You're not doing it with us right now. You know, nobody wants to do that. You know, so if, if that's the situation and if we're all waiting for the big guy in Columbia to make that call when it's it's I mean, we've seen how he's made some of these calls, you know, he encouraged a face uh, a face mask mandate, but he didn't require one. You know, he encouraged people to come down here, but said, oh, by the way, make sure you stay six feet apart. You know, you know, we saw it last week with with a lot of the confusion, you know, with the education reopening plan you know, that he tried to unveil, you know, the state superintendent wasn't at the meeting for a reason. You know, these are things that in, in years past, and if it was a smaller issue, maybe fewer people are paying attention to, but that's, that's the hand that we've been dealt. You know, COVID has, has wrecked our way of life, but more importantly, it's wrecked how we, we think about it going forward. And it's got a whole bunch of people in positions of power waiting for somebody else to make the call for them. Live right now, Ian Gurren joins us up there on the Grand Strand, the heart of the Grand Strand, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Of course, he's been covering the Grand Strand for many years, and he does it this time of day with MyWorryNews.com. I keep wanting to say county because being from there, you're so used to letting it roll off your tongue. 
Uh, let's talk some football, man. Let, let's get into some of that now because whether we started in sure. September, whether we started January, and there will be football because financially it, it's got to happen. Uh, there's no doubt about it. As much as I know baseball guys want to believe, and I was a baseball guy up there at Saka, being a football guy, but being a baseball guy during the season, I thought we were the best of the best. And reality, we don't put near many butts in the seats as football does. And, of course, financially, you got to have that season. The concern I got, and I'm asking all of our guys that come in here tonight and going forward until we kick off the season, it's going to go from one point where, okay, COVID is COVID, I get that. But now we talk about, do we have enough time to get these young men ready to participate and to practice, to get them ready to go? As they say, the kickoff is going to be, what, September 5th? I mean, we're literally a month away from the season kicking off, whether it's a short season or not. You know what ain't short? Not any shorter than normal. It's the quarters. It's the game. It's still a four- to three-and-a-half-hour game, right? Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that Jerome Singleton has been pretty clear about that part of it. And, and you know, from the people that I've talked to a little closer to home, they, they tend to agree with him on that and that he said, we're going to give them a bare minimum of three weeks, and if we can do a full four, we're going to do it, which is actually, you know, the South Carolina High School League plan that, that was adopted last week um, you know, before all the Lexington stuff, you know, really gained traction and now, you know, wasted another three hours of Zoom meeting yesterday. You know, the high school league plan that we're currently operating under is four weeks of practice time. You know, that's that's what they did for years and years. You know, kids weren't doing summer conditioning in, in football. They were doing something else, whether they played baseball right. or they were, you know, going to the pool and the beach, whatever. I mean, this is uh, – that's what that's what it was. I mean, when I was growing up, there was there was no spring football in Kansas. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. not how it operated. They went and they did something else. You know, are some of these kids going to show the effects of that? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible. I mean, a lot of them have had no in-person workouts. A lot of them don't have access to weight equipment. I mean, you know, we always see these you know these high school kids tweeting out these videos of of them chopping down trees and lifting logs and, and all this stuff. But, you know, for every kid that's like that, there's five more who don't even have a 25 pound dumbbell to do curls. I mean, so, I mean, there, there, there are, you're going to see the impact of that regardless, you know, you're going to see it if football is delayed until the spring, which I fully believe it will, you know, you're going to see, you know, kids getting gassed. You're going to see kids getting, you know, cramped, you know, like it is every August, but you're going to see it even if it's in, even if football doesn't happen until January. You know, and I think that's one of the selling points of pushing football back too. You know, in my mind, you know, and again, this is me. This isn't any inside information. In my mind, I believe that because spring sports already lost the season and losing two in a row, if it's preventable, I don't know that it is preventable. I can't. I don't. I don't think that you can take two full seasons away from the spring sports. So I think they will prioritize spring sports and I think they will prioritize football, you know, here in Horry County, you know, they've got, there's one non-football varsity program. I'm talking about basketball, baseball, softball, anything, any other sport that's not called football. There's one varsity program that um, two years ago finished in the black. Everybody else is losing money. You know, people don't realize that, that it costs a lot of money to put a track team on a bus. You know, it costs a lot of money for every time you turn around and, and two or three games a week for basketball to put even a 12 or 14 player basketball roster on a bus and drive them. 
Now you want to tell them that you got to use two buses because otherwise we got people too close together. Now you got to pay two drivers. You know, you got to potentially pay overtime. You know, these are all things that are going to come into that conversation. So because of that, I think they're going to prioritize football and they're going to prioritize spring, you know, the spring sports, you know, however, I don't even know if that's, if that's possible at this point, either way, everybody's going to be on top of each other in, 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 in one form or fashion. I mean, it's just, it's kind of unavoidable. Yeah, no doubt. I couldn't, I understand a lot of points here brought to you by Ian Gurren. Of course, he's over there in Horry County in the heart of Horry County in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the grand strand. And he covers it with the guys over at MyWorryNews.com. We're talking right now about all the, the headlines. And the reason I bring Ian in, he's been around this game for a long time. He's seen a lot of things. He's seen, you know, when it was, what, five years ago, maybe six years ago, when we had to cut the season off a little bit because of the smoke that came in from Virginia and North Carolina. How many hurricanes have stopped the season? And all that was brought up on Wednesday. Your thought process, how did the appellate panel, from your point of view, as much as you write on things, should they have at least put a vote together, or should they have been a little more prepared? Your thoughts of coming out of that three-and-a-half hour, or at least three hours of uh, conversation just yesterday? The, there were there was a lot of smoke and mirrors going on yesterday. Um, you know, that I don't, I don't know that people who haven't listened into some of those things before, maybe, you know, they were expecting some hard and fast rule. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of folks say, why were they talking about the high school league so much? No, that wasn't on their agenda. However, what they were trying to do was do a compare and contrast between the, the two plans. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of problem with that, even though there were, there were people shouting about, you have no right, you know, to, to talk about it. Yeah, they, they do, because you're, you're tasking them with the decision that is ultimately going to be held up. I mean, obviously somebody could take them to court and we've seen that happen a few times over the years in South Carolina, but, but honestly, I mean, chances are whatever they, they decide is going to be final, you know? So, you know, I think they had the right to ask about that, but what kind of, I got hung up on and I texted somebody about 10 minutes after that meeting started. And I said, watch this, they're going to table it. And three hours later they did. I texted it, you know, him back a little bit later, and I said, watch this. We're going to hear from this one particular panel member, and he's going to be the one pushing to, to table it. And sure enough, that's exactly what we got. You know, I think people are waiting for this magic wand to happen, and, and whether it's the appellate committee who is, is really not um, – I mean, they're not really a part of the high school league. They're, they're appointed. It's a, it's a state legislature deal from a few years back. People were screaming at the high school league yesterday. I mean, it wasn't even a high school league action. I mean, Jerome Singleton right. and, you know, Becky Lafitte were in the room, the, the high school league's attorney. They were there as, as their own way. You know, not, Jerome was basically there to be there. Let's be honest. I mean, he, he was allowed to speak, and I, I, I believe that everybody should have been allowed to. But what we got yesterday was a whole lot of chaos and not a lot of action. You know, the, the part about the appellate members not having the plans in front of them, I, I felt like it was kind of a lazy cop-out. You know, it's like, come on, man, you've had a week. You knew you were doing this. You've, you've been tasked with this job. Um, but it wasn't. And to me, it wasn't any kind of a surprise because, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, no one wants to be the bad guy. You know, no one wants to make that decision if it's avoidable. If, if they can pass the buck to somebody else, 
most of the time people are going to pass the buck, you know, in something like this, there, there is a plan in place, you know, no matter how people want to say there isn't, there is a plan in place. It was voted last week, you know, that, that plan is, is a slim to none plan. Honestly, if you ask my opinion, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it works, you know, anytime soon, you know, this constant rollover, I've called it a, I've called it a rollover plan, you know, since they passed it, because it gives them a two week window where they can essentially just keep pushing football back until October without making any other major announcements, you know? So I, I think, I think yesterday, you know, there were parts of it that were kind of comical. There were, there was parts of it that were pretty absurd. I mean, the one appellate member who thought that Dave Bennett was Tom Knotts and that they were from Lexington five and not Lexington one. It's like, how did you not know that? You know, and it's, and it's a talking point. You know, it's a talking point. It's something maybe we get a chuckle out of or, or, or we, we wrap our head around it and say, oh, that's the reason this didn't go. These guys weren't prepared. But honestly, I mean, I, I, I felt very early in that meeting, and, and I said I did another show on Tuesday night, and I told them don't be surprised at the table this till August. You know, I felt very early on that that was exactly what was going to happen, and, and then it just it kept going. You know, look, after Becky got up there and gave her, her very – uh, impassioned speech, and she called out Lexington One and Dave Bennett specifically, whether you like it or not. After that, the momentum of that meeting changed, the tone of that meeting changed, but then it went another right. 75 minutes after she got done talking. I mean, I was I was keeping pretty good notes. I was posting on Twitter left and right. You know, it was 75 minutes after after she got done. She sold the high school league. She whatever they're paying her, they should probably give her a little more. Because she did exactly what she's paid to do, and she got people right. thinking about it. And then when it became a little bit more apparent that maybe they weren't going to vote, you know, to approve the Lexington plan, sure enough, that's when we started getting more and more of, well, you know, we're not really sure about this yet. We need time to, to talk about it. And, I mean, they might as well have just tabled it right there and save us all a bunch of time. No doubt about it. So, uh, you know, and, and I forgot, Eugene, uh, you know, we were talking earlier uh, about this deal, and again, this is the, this is the conversation until there's some football. You know, we this is probably the hottest conversation going, even though it sounds like we're going round and round from very similar from last week. The only thing different is that they were calling people by the wrong names. I, I remember, and I and I started looking at my Zoom. I started zooming in literally, right? Because I'm like, what Dutch Forge in the house? Where did they get here? How do they? What are they doing here? This is election one. Well, election and, and, you, like, and you saw oh, when the right. appellate member said it. Dave looked over both shoulders like like he's waiting for some guy in shorts <laughs> to be standing behind him. You know, it was it was comical. And Dave and I exchanged a few messages about it yesterday, and you know, he had a good yeah. laugh about it. And he, and, you know, and he understands what that, that a lot of this is is you know kind of what you just alluded to. This is the distraction. Right you know, that we have right. at our disposal right now. We, we're not, we're not sure. putting together preseason football taps. We're not talking about our preseason players of the year. We're not talking about whether South Florence and West Florence being in the same region as Myrtle Beach and North Myrtle Beach is going to really renew some of those rivalries. You know, we're not talking about whether Sumter is going to come in and dominate Region 6-5A again. You know, those, are, those things are, are – those are – Distant, distant things that we'll talk about. And eventually we will talk about them. But for right now, boy, oh, boy, we're having a heck of a lot of fun with the high school league <laughs> and the appellate committee and the Lexington one plan and, and Tom Knotts' shorts and, and everything else. I mean, this is the distraction that, that, that we have at our disposal. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. We're live right now. I'm going to 
finish it up here with uh, a, a, young, a man who's done some great things on the Grand Strand. He's covered the athletes for so many years. How many years have you been covering uh, up there in, in Myrtle Beach, Ian? Well, I moved here in November of '05, and I covered Coastal for the Sun News for uh, 22 months. We left briefly and then came back, and then I started uh, really getting into the high school scene here in uh, September of uh, 2008. Wow. So, you know, basically minus uh, 11 months when we were taking care of my father-in-law in Texas, uh, you know, we were we were we've been here, and and I've been the high school guy. You know, it's just, it's, uh, you know, for me, it's a, it's a good speed and I've got, you know, I've got good working relationships with, you know, 99% of the people around here that I deal with on a, on a weekly basis. And, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a good fit for me. Right. Pretty good backyard for you too, as your backyard is the beach. Uh, I, I do want to ask you about the, uh, the couple of coaches up there on the Grand Strand. One of them up there in my alumni high school at Sacristy, and I'm going to tell you something. Personally, he's been on the show two or three times. Uh, he's a likable dude. I know he played his college ball over there at Coastal Carolina. He was a big dude back then. He's got a lot of support from some guys that played with him around, uh, around of course, uh, Coastal. But he also brings his own, reg- you know, I would say, resume with him from the state of North Carolina. Is that where he came from, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, tell us a little bit about Sacristy. And, and, of course, uh, I heard a rumor, and it's only a rumor until you confirm it here in a second, that Doug Illing, is actually on the staff after taking a few steps away from being the head coach. Yeah, that's correct. I talked to I talked to uh, Doug that very first day. We actually went to Soxie the first day that the Horry County schools were able to um, do conditioning. Now it only lasted like nine or ten days before they cut it off. You know, and I, I talked to Doug, and, and Doug is super stoked to to be working. He does not want to be in charge. He was very clear when he called me the day he resigned just told me I'm burnt out. These kids need more than I can give them. I, I, I'm, I'm not built for this. You know, the guy loves going offshore on a boat and, and doing mm-hmm. some, some big fishing. I mean, that's, he, he just, you know, I think he had done it for so long and, you know, things were getting to him and, and you know, there were some Soxty people who were just gunning for him. You know, I think it just mm-hmm. wore him down a little bit. I think he needed a break, but he is super stoked to be back and to not have to wear that main headset. You know, the guy no who is going to wear it eventually when they fired up Ben Hampton, I tell you what, he's, he's getting some believers and he speaks his mind. He is an, you know, an absolutely amazing quote for a newspaper guy. You know, I, I don't talk to him and ever get off the phone and be like, I don't think that guy has any clue he's talking about. You know, he's, he's, he's very intelligent. Um, you know, he's, he's thought things through, you know, m- more ways than a lot of people do. He's young, he's vibrant, he's got a family, he's jazzed up about being part of Soxty and living in Horry County again. You know, I, I think that right now, and I've said this to a few people, I think Ben Hampton is exactly what Soxty football needs. I think he is the kind of guy who is, you know, he's going to be able to relate to players really well, but he's also already come across as a guy that isn't just going to follow the, the standard boilerplate idea of how do you recondition a football program that has lost all of these games in the last five years. You know, when the, the big thing that I think he did that really opened people's eyes was, um, I, and I don't remember the dates specifically, but it was a, a Monday morning, the Horry County nine football varsity programs could start conditioning. The following Sunday night, 
we found out that they were talking about cutting it off or, you know, was the numbers spiking like they were on Monday or I believe it was Monday night then, you know, I got word, you know, from multiple sources that they were indeed cutting it off. They were going to make an announcement the next day. We ran the story. I talked to coaches and they, you know, they, some of them knew, some of them didn't. That night after our story came out about, you know, conditioning is going to be shut down on thir- after Thursday's conditioning drills, Ben put out his own statement and just said, if it is this serious, then we're not getting enough out of this anyway to use three more days and potentially put kids at risk for three more days. This is a guy who had literally never met his players face-to-face until the previous Monday. This is a guy who is taking over a football program that is getting beat and get beat bad most Friday nights during the falls over the last four or five years. You know, since Hunter Renfro left, it's been a completely different program. You know, this is a guy who is trying to inspire people to believe in him. And the majority of football coaches in his position would have used every possible minute to do whatever they could with their kids. And instead of that, he said, if it's that much of a risk, then we're just going to can it now. We're going to bang it out and, and we're done. We'll go back to whatever we can do through digital workouts and we'll try to make the best of the situation. But right now, Everybody coming to school, doing all these checks, putting all these people at risk, having 10 coaches sitting there trying to get people checked in is just not worth it. I tell you what, I think that really got a lot of people thinking like, wow, okay, maybe this is the guy that we were supposed to hire. Yeah, and I would agree with you because I actually had the opportunity to talk to Coach, uh, I believe, right about that same time, and he said, man, it was in my heart, and I moved on it, and I know in my mind, for my guys, I can't speak for everybody else, this was the move I needed to make. And, again, that's a gutsy move, and I think it's going to play out well for him as far as building the foundation because every time a coach comes in, he's got to build his own foundation there. Uh, let's move on to Conway High School. Coach Terry played ball there, by the way, at Conway. His son, I believe, is the starting quarterback. They've got dudes after dudes after dudes. My question is – do they have a chance to be that team that they used to be back in the day that they can be today? What's your thoughts on coach Terry? And of course that entire group of guys that are coming back. Cause I know they just had one young man that has uh, now joined the Gamecocks organization, but uh, who do they have coming back and what is your outlook on Conway and that coaching staff? Yeah. I mean, uh, Carl to Terry jr. At, at, at quarterback. I, I mean, he is, he has leaps and bounds. It's like every time I see him, whether it was football or basketball it seems like he's always every time i see him he's getting better you know he was thrown in you know very early sophomore season you know here you go you're you're now the quarterback and there were times then where he looked lost and it was rough you know and and this wasn't a situation where oh the coach's kid gets to play quarterback i mean he's he's earned it you know he's been been working with ramon robinson you know, who's kind of the quarterback whisperer for our state. Um, you know, he's he's been putting in the time. You know, I saw a video of him like two weeks ago where it was like, I mean, he didn't look like the same kid that he did last year. You know, that it's all well and good. And I, I think I think CT2 is going to be there. I mean, I think he's going to be one of those kids that a lot of people pay attention to when football comes back. You know, my, my thoughts on Conway – 
are that it feels like every time that people expect big things from that program, that it kind of, the, the season kind of fizzles out. I mean, we saw that a little bit, you know, last year. They had that, I mean, going into the preseason, you could not have sold me that there was a better defensive line in the state of South Carolina. You know, it wasn't just Tonka Hemingway. There were other guys on that line. And if I'm not mistaken, all four of them ended up going to play, you know, signing college scholarship offers. You know, they they still were struggling. You know, they they got beat pretty bad in a few games that I really thought they had a better chance to win. Um, but, I mean, last year it was the juggernaut. It was Carolina Forest. I mean, Carolina Forest was just playing vile football. It was it was very evident that Mark Morris's um, weight room routine has changed what that program was before he got there. You know, Carolina Forest is going to struggle. You know, now that Mason Garcia is at East Carolina and some of those other dudes that they had have, have moved on, but now they got to deal with Sumter again. You know, Sumter moves back into the region, and you know, I wrote something two years ago when Sumter went to that Midlands region. How you know excited everyone was over here not to have to not to have to go through Sumter, you know, <laughs> now they're back and they're going to be really good again. You know, they're, they're going to be one of those teams that everybody's, you know, going to be paying attention to, you know, right on into the playoffs. And that's going to be, that's going to be the case, you know, just about every year. So, you know, I, I don't know if Conway is region championship worthy, you know, but they're, they're going to have, they're going to have their best quarterback play that they've had in at least three years is, you know, the next time they suit up. No doubt about it, as we're talking right now with uh, Ian Gurn. He is with MyOriNews.com. He's been covering the Grand Strand for many, many years here. And, of course, uh, talking about that Conway preview here on the Grand Strand and the starting quarterback, the son of uh, Coach Terry. They call him CT2 and uh, looking to have another standout performance coming up, whether it be in the early September or early January. You mentioned Carolina Force. This is going to be weird for you because there's going to be a quarterback his last name isn't Garcia, and I feel like that kid's been there for eight years. Heck, Somerville had to play <laughs> this team in the playoff what, <laughs> for so many years. It was like three years in a row, and Garcia was still there. I was like, man, this kid has got to be a senior, but he's not. But now he is, and he's gone, and he's going to do great up there in East Carolina. But who is the next dude to take over the offense, and what do you think about this Carolina Forest team that I thought ultimately was one of the better teams up there on the Grand Strand last year? Yeah, they um they they lost, you know, Mason obviously. They they had you know, um David Leggett was a running back. I mean, I can't I don't remember all their stats. I mean so, so much has changed. I I have I just haven't looked at fall twenty nineteen football stats in a while, but David Leggett was I mean, he put up huge numbers. You know, they had they had like four receivers, you know, at different points of the year I think that had hundred yard games. I mean they they were just they were so good. Everything came together at the right time. You know, they, they push Dutch Fork in the state semifinal, you know, for a half, and then Dutch Fork does what Dutch Fork does, um, you know, and so that ended. But, I mean, that was by far the best season in school history. The last time I checked, and this was this was before, you know, right right around the time that everything got locked down, you know, they were still deciding on quarterback, you know, some of their better players. You know, there was some debate as to whether or not they were leaving. And, you know, that's that's kind of all still up in the air just because there hasn't been anything really to decide. But, you know, Carolina Forest that's happened in that school, you know, in, in terms of athletics was them getting Mark Morris to come down from North Carolina and take over that program. 
you know, there was all sorts of confusion when he was hired. And, you know, it took, there was some paperwork misplaced and the district didn't want to say anything. You know, they should have been screaming it from the rooftops that they got a guy with his resume to take over a football program that honestly was, was such an afterthought. I mean, everybody's scheduled to line a forest for their homecoming game for a reason. You know, they're a team that they're going to dip down, you know, post Mason Garcia and David Leggett and some of these other guys. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to dip. But the drop-off is going to be nothing compared to what it was in years past when they lost, you know, a good player or two. You know, are they going to the state semifinals again? Probably not. You know, not this year or whenever football starts again. But they're always going to be there. They're, they're, this is their steady build. You know, they, they made real clear to caution people, don't make this about Mason because, you know, this is about, you know, this is about our program changing. And, and every, every time I talk to him, every time I've seen him in person, I mean, it's kind of like what I said about Carlton Terry Jr. I mean, you, you see development out of kids that you wanted to see there six, seven years ago. Well, I can tell you what, they have done a phenomenal job at Carolina Force. That was a school that was uh, opened up after I left the Grand Strand, but a school that has really taken off since I've left the Grand Strand. And we'll end with this one for about three minutes if uh, we can get it out of here Ian, to wrap up tonight's interview. And I do need to get you back because there's St. James, there's North Myrtle Beach. There's a lot of schools doing a lot of things. I want to touch on all of these guys, but Myrtle Beach, my God, they are running the beach. I mean, balling at the beach, <laughs> that ought to be their slogan because they've been balling – for a long time, and they got this Ryan Burton kid. This kid's legit. I know they lost their starting quarterback, but J.J.'s up there. They've got a receiver on the other side. They've got running backs. I mean, what in the world is is, uh, is it in the water on that side of the line, or what's happening right there in the heart of uh, the city limits at Myrtle Beach High School? It's so absurd to think about that they lose the South Carolina Player of the Year in the first playoff game last year, and they still go to the state championships. I mean, to, to lose a kid who was so crucial to everything they did and they still go to the state finals I mean it was just absurd to kind of watch you know and and part of it is the kid you mentioned Ryan Berger you know he was a kid who was at Waccamaw transferred up to Myrtle you know had a you know had a good solid 10 games you know behind Luke Doty and and but he's tall he's lanky he throws a great deep ball and oh yeah he's got two four-star wide receivers you know, I mean, it's it's an embarrassment of riches, and they do things differently. I mean, they were, you know, we had a lot of teams around here that were still just focused on run, run, run. When they said, "Nah, we're gonna we're gonna air this out a little bit," started with Scott early, and then Mickey Wilson just kept it going when he took over the program and Scott left. You know, that's that's what they do. It's expectation of winning drives so much of what they do. A third round playoff loss to them. I mean, in a lot of those guys' minds, they shouldn't even play the season. It's it's just different, you know, how they talk about it. You know, they expect to be in the state championship game every single year. And when they aren't, man, they hold a grudge, and they are good at it. I mean, they 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 know how to push every button, and it's not just players. It's it's seniors knowing I'm not going out like that. It's just uh, there, there are very few programs I've been around where you've, you've kind of had that mentality. You know, and I think that's I think that's ultimately what it is. I think the expectation of winning just drives them, you know, twenty four seven, three sixty five. I don't disagree with you whatsoever. And we've had both uh, the quarterback and the receiver on the show, and we're working on a few other dudes. And 
Uh, I personally know the defensive coordinator, uh, the big day over there, Jason Owens. I mean, he's been the, the same personality, expects the best, work saves the longest. And uh, that's kind of how they continue to do a Myrtle Beach. Ian, man, you gave me right at an hour. I greatly appreciate it. Tell the wife, thank you for allowing you to hang out and get that hall pass. <laughs> it's been on us tonight. And uh, let's regroup and, and talk a little bit more. I got to look at your calendar and mine, but I'd love to keep you on this platform with me helping me because as much as I'm down here in the low country, I never forget where I come from. I'm from the Grand Strand. I'm a Surfside boy. I'm a Sockasee grad. I take a lot of pride in a lot of things that happen up there, but I want to keep our dudes up there because I don't want to get them lost just like the guys at Buford. I told those guys the same thing, man. So if you can help me and at least uh, keep us up to date whenever we play football, I appreciate the help and definitely get you back for the preview of a few other schools that we didn't get a chance to tonight. Uh, sounds good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, buddy. Have a great night. Thanks for what you do, buddy. Right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, uh, I want to thank the big man on there. And, Eugene, I'm going to bring you in because I think we've got about, looking at the clock here, not much time left, but we've got about eight minutes remaining here. Uh, you know, good stuff. Ian covered a lot of things. And for you guys that were listening here to that 45-minute interview with Ian Guerin here, of course, was with my orning or my orningnews.com. I keep wanting to say county, but uh, he also ran for office up on the Grand Strand. Uh, again, not an easy place to run for office. There's a lot of people that are from that area, and it's hard to beat some of those guys and girls uh, that I know because I went to school with them, and they, of course, they continue to do great things. But Eugene, you started to kind of put it together, man. I thought we touched on a lot of topics, we even got to re- get a little preview of some of the schools on the Grand Strand, buddy. Yeah, it's pretty cool because, you know, we've talked to some kids up there and a couple of coaches, but, you know, really haven't gotten that whole kind of grain strain global preview um, of schools. They, there, there's actually something really cool I was going to bounce because uh, you guys are both in media. I thought you'd appreciate this. So ESPN just announced they didn't have enough cameramen to cover the game they were just producing tonight. Oh. E- ESPN. They don't have <laughs> enough cover- cameramen to cover a game. I mean, they when you are, do, do you know what ESPN stands for? Yeah, they don't have enough cameramen, man. I'm, I'm just baffled. And so, so they decided to call the game not in the stadium, but in the studio while social distancing, and then realized they didn't wow. have enough cameraman to produce the game. Hmm. Seems like you know, and, and this is why. This is why you alluded to that earlier when I got so wound up and uptight um, before the home run derby because I don't like to leave a stone unturned when I'm when I'm running operations or when I'm planning something. I like to think sure. of everything. I like to think of contingencies for if plan A, B, C, or D. And I also had to work under Chad Greer for three years running football operations. It's not fun when you forget something or you hand a ball bag uh, full of 14 balls to your JV quarterback, and he gets off the bus and leaves it on his feet because he's listening to music and playing grab behind with his homeboy, the running back. And yet that's still your fault because you didn't stand by the bus and collect it from him. When he, I mean, you, you get this stuff. So when I see things like this, and these people are sure. paid, you know, producers are paid millions from ESPN. They don't have enough cameramen. So, you know, so what do they do? I, I'm, I'm I got to go find whatever game this was that they were about to put on because I want to see if it's like a gray screen or if we only have one camera angle. I mean, 
uh, a local. Wonder if it's the Dodgers San Francisco game because that's a ten o'clock game and we're right at the nine o'clock hour. I mean, I would hope yeah, that well, that would be a, a local, game because that's a rival game. That's a big game. A local sportscaster, Scotty Heisberg, actually saw the same tweet that I saw and just tweeted out, ESPN, welcome to the world of every weekend sports guy in Charleston history when CFT, CSU, and Citadel all play at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, no yeah, it's, still, it's still ESPN. I'm sure they could easily dangle some money out there and get every sports news local guy uh, who runs a camera a job because, you know, as you and I know, working with these guys locally, they are willing sure. to come out and cover a marble uh, a marble tournament and a skipping rocks tournament if they could, just because they right. don't have anything to do. So anyway, I just it just cracked me up that someone at ESPN dropped the ball on that and they don't have enough to produce a game they had scheduled. And what's interesting is he's part of the and he's part of the ABC crew who oh by the way ESPN owns. So yeah, he actually is employed by by ESPN as well. So yeah, that, that's kind of a small world there. And I've actually got two family members here in Charleston that work camera for ESPN. So they would have just picked the phone up. They got two dudes in Charleston that have went and ran some camera. They would have loved to go to L.A. or wherever they are. Of course, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and again, that's, that, that, that kind of sums up 2020 right there. Just, what, two days ago, you know, uh, it, it's funny because nobody got hurt, but it wasn't as funny if somebody got hurt, of course, was the runaway horse from, from one of the carriages. You know, it, it breaks loose and takes off. And I was like, well, even the horses are tired of 2020. They're running away from what they deal with every day, too. So, you know, it, it kind of sums up what we're dealing with. And, 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 Tim, I know you're listening, buddy. You and I have actually – he's been actually texting me back and forth, man. And, look, dude, I appreciate your passion for what you do, and I'm never going to shut you down. You could call in any time. I may only give you a sort of window, but we, we appreciate that. And here on Southern Sports Central, we are all about bringing to table everything, right? I mean, Eugene, you and I talked about this. Right, We talked about the ability to bring these coaches in here and let Southern Sports Central be the platform, be the table, if you will, to let's get this thing figured out. Now, we got to go because we're up against the clock. We've had some great guests tonight. I want to, of course, uh, you know, Tim's actually texting me. <laughs> uh, social media is wonderful. Um, live radio, even better. I do want to thank Jalen Skinner, Jay, excuse me, Jaleel Skinner, who was a, is a receiver over there at Greer High School. He's got multiple offers, just got one yesterday from the big old school, Oregon. Yeah, the Ducks offered him yesterday. Yeah, last week it was LSU. He has a ton, and I mean a ton of offers. You have to check it out. We'll tweet it out here at some point tonight. Then at 7 o'clock, Reginald Walker, Jr., former Penn State Joe Pod Nittany Lions, joined us. He, of course, does radio and TV for UNC Charlotte and Gardner-Webb. And then you heard from Ian Gurren for the final hour as he joined us from the Grand Strand of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We talked Sockasy, Conway, of course, uh, Myrtle Beach, the Seahawks do their thing, and Carolina Forest. We will get him back in here because we got St. James, we got Lures, we got North Myrtle Beach, we got Green Sea Floyd. We ain't forgot about you guys. Ainer's in that conversation. Welcome on Georgetown, by the way, new coach over there with Jimmy Noonan. And uh, our buddy, Coach Scott, who's down there at Andrews, we'll get that conversation with him as well. So a lot to do, a lot to cover. And maybe, Eugene, we do cover that. Maybe we'll talk about that over the weekend in a production meeting. And maybe we'll start looking at some of these schedules that are coming out in the area, and we'll start talking about what we think is going to happen through the year. We'll turn the page. We'll stop talking as much COVID and about the high school league, and we'll let those guys debate it. Starting next week, this will be a – Different kind of deal. We'll go at a different angle, Eugene. So we'll get together. If you missed the news yesterday, 
Next year, we will have a Southern Sports Central Home Run Derby on Eugene's getting, he's getting excited. Home Run Derby and an All-Star Game in one. We're going to do both for the class of 2021. So we're excited about We got a lot of great partners already out of this. Eugene, you hit a grand slam on Tuesday night, buddy. I'm real proud of you. And you represented Southern Sports Central, got that thing together. I know you were a negative, you were a nervous, Nancy, but it all worked itself out, brother. On uh, behalf of me and everything that you did, I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thank you, man. And, uh, you know, my name's not Shirley. Don't call me serious, but it is, you know, it is what it is. And, and I love how we got a new all-star game. You know that reference, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I love how we got an all-star game, you know, tagged in on there. That's going to be real neat, too. Um, you know, and hopefully by then we'll reach out to some of the smaller schools because I really hate to, I hate to, for anybody who's out on John's Island, maybe at, you know, St. John's or uh, – Baptist Hill or whatnot, that, that's a real good baller that feels like, you know, hey, I, no one contacted me to, to participate in this. So I really want to, you know, take the time over the next year and be able to reach out to all low country coaches uh, and staffs and whatnot. And just, I don't want any kids feeling like, you know, I didn't, I got left behind because I didn't go to James Island or Wando or, or Oceanside or Bishop England, you know, or, or some of the bigger schools. So I just, you know, I want to take, make sure we take the time and build this thing out. Make sure we reach out and at least Pose the opportunity to anybody who you know is graduating next year and wants to come take some swings, man. Because that's what we're at, we're about. We're not about you know just the big programs or something like that. We're about you know hey, may the best guy uh, you know put the most over the fence. But anyway, uh, it's a great show, man. Um, I think I, you got my message. That I'm about out of juice. Uh, I will talk to you soon. I'm sure you'll call me early in the morning. Uh, love you, brother, and thank you for the opportunity and the platform to reach so many. Peace out. Go, Cut Scout. There you go. All right, guys. On behalf of Southern Sports Central, I'm Rich Elman, Eugene Benton, and we will give you some rules, but everybody will be invited to the party next year on the 2021 Low Country Showdown baseball style. We'll do that and much more. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay distant. Stay positive, and we'll see you Sunday night bright and, well, early in the afternoon at 6 o'clock, guys. Until then, God bless. Jump in one of these uniforms with you guys. That feeling goes away, it goes away, and it doesn't come every Friday night. It comes when you get married, it comes when your child's born. So you get it, but you just don't get it every Friday night. You're going to miss that more than anything in the world. That's what I miss. And so you seniors that are focused on college, you're focused on your work after high school, what you're going to do next, you're focused on tomorrow, aren't you? You've got plenty of time for tomorrow. But these tonights, they're going by fast. You focus on tonight. This is about you guys. This is about the guys in this room that care about each other, that know there's only so many more of these nights left. It's about you. They're a faceless opponent. They just happen to draw the short straw tonight. Now get your asses ready to play. Win on three. One, two, three. I feel that you smell that fresh cut grass. I'm back in my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. 
Fans going crazy for the boys of They didn't let just anybody in that club Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood To get the widow's game day jerseys down the hall The kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall Well, let's turn and face the stars and stripes say to young kids, learn to dream. You can accomplish anything you want to. What a wonderful time in your life. I get excited when I see kids playing in the, in, in the backyard or um, at the schoolyard. Uh, the, the advice that I would give uh, a group of seven-year-old, eight-year-olds would be to have dreams. It's okay to work at those dreams, do whatever you can, but just have fun and, and there's nothing wrong with dreaming big. I just like to see kids when I see, especially the younger kids, 